Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the DustOverOds.com comic book podcast. As always, I'm your host, the Dead Man. Over today, we have Barty. Hello. And Nico. Hola. And we got stuff to talk about today. Comic books happened. They're happening still. Comic books. I don't know. I am Thor. For some, yes. For some reason, I just have the second I hit record. I just all of a sudden got this weird burst of energy. <laughs> well, I, ca- I call it the Thor Ragnarok effect. <laughs> yes. Whatever. <laughs> whatever you do, Mark. don't put don't put your foot in in your mouth like Marvel did continuously over the last couple weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, we've looked at the sales numbers and we realized that you that the people who listen to this podcast don't want diversity. So we're firing every black person. <clears throat> I think that if you really want to get into it very quickly, I think the problem with the comments was the way that they said their comments. I, I mean, I don't think they came off. They came off badly by saying that they figured out people don't want diversity after launching a bunch of diverse books. People just don't want diversity for diversity's sake, and a lot of shit fucking books. And a lot of the people that want diversity are unfortunately not the people that are going to buy your books. Yeah. Like, that's, I mean... The people who want I diversity think, can get diversity. Yeah. There are, but that's the thing. There, there are all kinds of fucking, like, like Aftershocks doing shit like that. Um, Boom, them, all all the, all the not-you studios are doing fairly diverse books that are doing presumably pretty well because they're not just saying, hey, you know that, yeah, you know this marketable name we have? What if it was a black lady? Mm-hmm. Call the book Ironheart for fuck's sake. I mean, yeah, they even got that Iceman book that's going to be coming out. And now that Bobby Drake is gay, which, again, there's no problem in itself that there's a gay character. But they're basically launching the book in this list. It's saying, hey, look, it's a gay character. Like, they basically are saying, buy this book because it's a gay character. Like, it's... Yeah, I remember just, when they I were... Know. I remember when, <laughs> I remember when like, uh, around the time where they were doing the big change-up of, like, making Sam Wilson Captain America and making Thor a lady. Uh, like, mm. I noticed that. And as they were putting out more books that were that had uh, female leads, all, like, the press material said, this is the X-th book that has a female lead from Marvel. Like, they're basically using, like, right. fe- late main, main female characters like a fucking scorecard. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's just the way they're going about it. And I think, I think that's the main issue. And that's cool if they're going to go back to basically what DC just fucking finished, ended up, ended up doing and going back to their original nostalgia type characters for all the comic readers that are constantly in the shops every week that are fucking like 30 years old or older. Right. I understand that that's where their market is and that's what they're trying to return to. But the fact that they went on record to retailers and said, oh, we figured it out, guys. People don't want diversity. It's we like, know I think they got what the, wrong the fucking message. deal is. <laughs> Fuck that shit. Yeah. Everybody's white. Shang-Chi, he's a white guy now. Yeah, because everyone liked Iron Fist, right? Oh, yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the show? <laughs> Yo, the Thunderer, now a white guy. His name's Frank. Luke Cage, we're we're gonna, we're gonna double down. Luke Cage now also a white guy. He's gonna go through that same shit that made the Punisher black a while back. <laughs> yeah, that is a thing. You'll get Jokerized. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and and I mean beyond even that comment, the other really bad one was of course made by Axel Alonso, of course. Yeah. When he said that artists 
can't sell books like <laughs> oh fuck that <laughs> just, yeah yeah like fuck yeah. that just just uh, out half a year of fucking industry that's that's a good that's a smart move just <laughs> yeah just, who just the fuck half gives a shit staff? about yeah. amanda connor the name that moves books is jimmy palmiotti yeah that's that was again and and they don't help the the matter by double shipping a whole shitload of their books when good artists are are unable to keep up and they you know what i mean like it's I don't know. The whole thing's a clusterfuck. They, they said a lot of stupid fucking comments in that. I mean, I know it was a summit to retailers, but the fact that they invited people there that pretty much broadcast their com- like their quotes to the media was dumb because obviously now they've just pissed off a lot of people, right? Yep. Like, and don't and, worry. Yeah. We'll be getting into that shit with a story a bit later in the show. Ah, my apologies. <laughs> Sorry to jump the gun. Nah, I'm very fine. upset. <laughs> but speaking of diversity, let's talk about Future Quest some more. Yeah. So DC, uh, just past couple weeks, they released a bunch of one-shot issues which were crossing over their characters with their Hanna-Barbera staple characters. Uh, there were like backup stories and stuff in some of the books. Um, and but, but the main things, the main ones that I read that were released were Green Lantern, uh, Space Ghost. Uh, Booster Gold, Flintstones, and I'm going to be talking about Adam Strange Future Quest. Which brought back an aspect of a character I forgot he had. <laughs> That's good. So Haji is a snake charmer. Because, you know, Indian. Yeah. I completely forgot that was a part of his character. And I'm kind of really enjoying how... So I'm going to say this. I'm not racist. I like that they're what? kind of doubling down and keeping with the Haji stereotypes. Mm-hmm. Well, sure. I mean, eventually he has to explain the plot through a Bollywood song. I mean, yeah, probably. But it's this weird thing where I completely forgot Haji was a character. But then the second I remember that Haji existed, I was like kind of dreading what they're going to do to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talked about this la- last time as well with the future quest books. Yeah, that's yeah. And, but yeah. so they have been kind of like keeping going with basically with most things from like design wise and like backstory stuff. But they've all been doing that while having his character be updated so that he's not just I'm the Indian one. Mm. And it was really it was kind of really strange seeing this where. So in this book, uh, the quest team uh, go to Dinosaur Island or whatever to talk to Dinosaur Boy. His name is Todd. Which is actually an old Hanna-Barbera cartoon about a kid living in a fucking island of dinosaurs. And then Adam Strange falls out of the sky. So then he so then he has amnesia and then he and the quest team begin working against agents of fear who are trapped on the island. So who are trying to steal his equipment in order to open a portal so they can leave the island. They do open that portal and get dropped right in front of the fucking um, Herculoids. So fuck it, I guess. But there's this one scene where the quest team, they're all just hanging out in the woods and then a giant fucking snake comes along and Haji's like, settle down, bitches. I got this. And just holds in a hand. Next scene, everybody's riding that snake. 
And it was really cool. I don't know why. I don't know why I enjoyed that. But just this, the fact that he did just fucking, like fucking Indian dude, turban giant, diamond and everything, fucking just charms a snake. <laughs> right. Presumably with just his hands. <laughs> like, take from that what you will, snake charm, like charming a snake with your hands, but. Yeah, I just so really enjoyed that. He had a he had a pretty big spotlight in on this issue than the uh, Haji. Like, he, he had was a big part of had, this issue. He has as much he has as much of a spotlight as he does in any of the other quest side of the future quest book. Okay, yeah, because I find I found even in the first arc that I read of the future quest book, um, because there's so many characters, that's probably the only downfall is that they can't focus on too many people like too much yeah like uh, i i even felt like even johnny and him like their 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 roles in it just because there's so many different characters that they're lumping into that book where were you're not not as much as i would have liked because i'm the most familiar with those characters yeah out of everybody so but that's cool yeah it, it really is it dc's doing a weirdly good job with all these hanna-barbera books well well, a lot of them, anyway. I, I, I mean, I, I've heard, I listened to the last show I wasn't on, and you two seem to diverge on Flintstones. <laughs> but people I seem to be it. enjoying that. Like, I'm kind of the dissenting opinion. I'm, I'm been thinking of, I've been thinking of going and checking out, checking out again to see just what was up. I don't know if it was like just kind of the initial, like, oh fuck, this is weird. It is definitely weird, though. Like, I, I agreed with you saying that. I totally understood that. But I think that what he's doing with that book is much bigger than the Flintstones. Like, it, it, it and, and you still get a lot of, like, humor also in the book, which I enjoyed. So, but yeah, it's very, it is very fucking weird. It is. But I like it. I, I mean, and it'll then, be interesting. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they incorporate the Winston cigarette era into this world. I don't think Nico knows what you're referring no, to. No clue. <laughs> okay, there, there's a commercial where the Flintstones sold cigarettes to children, basically. Oh, yeah. Hence my silence. I'm like, I don't know that. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, like, there, like there, there was a commercial going around back in like the fucking 50s or whatever when the Flintstones was really taken oh. off back in black and white. Mm. And it's fucking Fred Flintstone lighting Wilma's cigarette and then saying, saying Winston takes good like a cigarette should. <laughs> I did. I did hear about the newest issue, though. I heard someone's review of the newest issue, and uh, you did get a wrap up to the story of the two appliances. The really sad fucking part I told you about on the last episode <laughs> of the bowling ball armadillo and the uh, woolly mammoth uh, vacuum cleaner, <laughs> which amuses me to no end. I can't wait to read it. I, Theirs I, was yeah. the love of a generation. <laughs> It really was. Uh, it's a very tragic they end to their know story. What love is. <laughs> Only separated by a closet door. <laughs> and, then that, yeah. and, then the, and then everybody escaped. It was all great. Things were good. Adam Strange went back home, got his memories back. Uh, Birdman showed up. I was like, hey, Todd, I'm here to take you home. And Todd's like, fuck you, Birdman. I'm going to find my parents. How can Birdman be in this movie? He's about to star in a Spider-Man film. I don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, this, this, this is Harvey Birdman, not Michael Birdman. <laughs> but yeah, and then this was followed up with a backup story about Top Cat <laughs> and Batman. Yeah, because you know everyone's asking okay. for that. <laughs> I can't wait for that Top Cat story. 
<laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, I liked Top Cat as a kid, but <laughs> yeah, the story nice. was want- Batman was chasing Catwoman and then stumbled across Top Cat. It would be funny if they like lean into the nature of the premise where he actually is the mafia. They kind of do. They do actually do that. <laughs> it, it, like, he, like, he, like he tells Batman his backstory about how he got here. And his backstory was that like he had set up a business. He was getting shit done. And then he got fucking arrested and sent to prison for like fucking money laundering or something. And then he, yeah, came, and then he came to their world. And then he came to their world by escaping prison. One, one, oh, of his yeah, cell, one of his cellmates was like a fucking genius who, who developed a portal to another world. And so Top Cat just fucking bounced through with his boy. And, but then he lost his buddy. And Batman's like, oh, that's terrible. And like the way, the way he was telling it, it was like, oh, yeah, I'm just a fucking victim of circumstance, man. I didn't do anything wrong. But it was clear he very much was running an organized crime syndicate. If we're talking about cartoon cats, does Top Cat predate Tom from Tom and Jerry? No. No, 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 no. Uh, I wonder. Probably. Yeah, Top Cat Heath, was uh, six- and then there was Heathcliff. Yeah, Top that was Cat way later. Top Cat was sixty one. Yeah, Tom and Jerry was like Tom and Jerry's old too, though. Tom and Jerry was nineteen forties. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. That's weird. It's just Tom and Jerry. All I just remember Tom and Jerry always looking better than Hanna Barbera cartoons. Oh sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, because that was um. More professional animation. Hanna Barbera's whole thing was, animation "Hey, house. how cheap can we do this?" Yeah, Hanna Bar- <laughs> yeah, Hanna Barbera's was, "We can't animate necks, so just fuck it. Everyone has a collar." Yeah, and I- also, um, we're just going to assume we shoot everything on the same soundstage, so we're just going to cycle through the exact same environment <laughs> over and over again. That's why there was yeah. very rarely an episode where Yogi Bear went to fucking Kansas or Chicago or whatever. <laughs> just fucking Jellystone National yeah. Park you never have to fucking cycle that tree well that was the thing with the Flintstones house which I think they actually have dropped the ball not making a joke about in the comic it's just like it's never ending like there was a, there were scenes where they were just running through that house forever and like forever <laughs> how big is this fucking house <laughs> you know it was it was a it was a mansion yeah Fred did very well for himself yeah he wears a tie yeah <laughs> yeah well, I mean, to be fair, cheapness has magical powers. Like I used to, my first car, I used to tell people, "No one will rob me because I have the magical power of shitty car." <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, let's rob this car. Oh no, wait, somebody already did. Fuck. <laughs> yes, I don't even have tires on this thing. My rims are just that good. Yeah. It's like, why would we rob someone who looks like he didn't leave the paint on his car? No, it does like leave a pillow and blanket in the back, so it looks like you live in it. Where, where does Top Cat rank among the uh, the pantheon of cartoon cats? Pretty low. <laughs> um, Pretty low, right? I mean, yeah, I mean he's Garfield's up there. He's not. Tom, he's not Tom Heathcliff. Uh, I mean, that's the original. I Garfield. vaguely remember Heathcliff was a thing. Well, Heathcliff is a thing. Garfield, I think, ripped it off. No, Garfield's better than Heathcliff. I'm sorry. Yeah, definitely. No, I agree. I'm not. No, I'm not going to be like, I, hey, I'm a Heathcliff guy. I'm just saying. I mean, I believe he also predated Garfield. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I grew up on top on Top Cat cartoons. I guess Sylvester, but, uh, right? Sylvester. Has he, to be. he probably ranks just below Felix. 
Oh, Felix. I forgot about Felix. Yeah, that's uh, a good know. one. I don't know. I mean, I mean, as bad as Top Cat is, I mean, I mean, Felix is more memorable, but he ever yeah. had one of the shittiest movies ever made. That tricky <laughs> no, wait, fucking no, Felix shit, movie? Yeah, Are you serious? Did, no, yeah, I forgot about the, that's forgot not about the shit. Mexican movie. I forgot about the Mexican movie. Are, are you talking about that fucking really trippy old Felix the Cat one? Because that movie is great. I forgot what it's called. Felix the Cat uh, the movie, probably? Maybe. It's the one, yeah. If it's we're a, talking about Felix the Cat the movie, then no, that thing hurts my ears and <laughs> eyes. <laughs> yeah, it's because you're tripping, you know, it's tripping balls of the whole movie. That's from 1919. <laughs> I don't think I'd be able to trip to it. It's too <laughs> shrill. <laughs> I to, admittedly I haven't watched it in years, but I remember liking it. That's you know here or there. Sylvester's got to be the most famous cat. I think, oh, definitely. Right? No, no, it's Tom. Tom. Yeah, yeah, Tom. Tom followed, followed up fairly closely by Sylvester. I would say I might have to give it to Sylvester over Tom, but you're right. Tom's right there for me, anyways. Yeah, definitely. I mean, The Simpsons cat too. I mean, that's come on. <laughs> yeah, snowball. Yeah, itchy eight. and scratchy. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, snowball. Oh, right, and then snowball. itchy and scratchy. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, famous cats. Uh, I mean, famous cats. A uh, Simpsons did it applies, right? Uh, Sim- Simpsons. Yeah, I mean, it's got a. No, I mean Simpsons did it. Well, I mean, I, I, I'm trying to think of anything the Simpsons have done that that you can't that does not apply to something. Hmm. Like they've done Godzilla, they've done James Bond, they've done they did, <laughs> Tom and Jerry. They did Siegfried and Roy being mauled by a tiger. Yeah, yeah, they did do that. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So that Adam Strange Future Quest thing. Adam Strange does not play a part in it, really. Like he just he is there, but he is a right. he is a MacGuffin more than an actual character. <laughs> Sounds about oh, right. <laughs> for whatever reason, for whatever reason, they decide to give him amnesia. So all of the like really cool like 1950s era sci-fi shit you associate with Adam Strange is just gone. Pretty much, yeah. pretty much the only thing John, pretty much the only thing he is there to do is a well, a be a MacGuffin and b let Johnny Quest wear his helmet the entire fucking time. And I mean, after we just watched Iron Giant, Dead Man, I think uh, I would have appreciated Adam Strange, classic Adam Strange. <laughs> oh hell yeah, dude! Fucking. The Iron Giant would not be out of place in an Adam Strange book. But Adam Strange is definitely out of place here. Yeah. Like, I can, I can see Adam Strange showing up at the destruction of the Iron Giant's world. It's like, oh, oh, fuck. Just, oh, God, I'm uh, late. Shit. <laughs> God damn it, Quest family, you couldn't have got me here sooner. Yeah, what if that was the thing? Like... Like the second he, the second he, like he fucking goes back through a portal and comes back to the regular DC world, he just flies to that planet and it is the last of the Iron Giants are leaving. Just oh right, don't worry everybody. Adam Strange is oh my god. If any of you haven't seen the extended cut of Iron Giant, dude. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, these crossover books haven't been that great. Uh, Future Quest no. one wasn't the sounds of from the sounds of it. It sounds like they're just put for the most part. They're just putting square pegs into round holes. Pretty much like the like the Future Quest book was fine because it was just Future Quest that had Adam Strange in it for like a hot second. Uh, the yeah. uh, Booster Gold Flintstones book is weird. 
Right. I guess Booster Gold just travels back into time and visits the Flintstones. Is that what basically happens? Yeah, kind of. Like, he goes back in time after a bunch of dinosaur aliens invade the future. Mm. Then goes back to the first one, accidentally kills him. And then has Fred and Barney help him fix his time scooter. Huh. You know, using electric eels. Mm. Because sure, whatever. <laughs> yeah, fuck it. <laughs> that tracks. Well, what else are they going to use? <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, like, I think that's good. It's the best yeah. they're going to get. It just fucking keeps going. And just, Jesus Christ, this artwork is boring. Mm. Which is really a shame because the guy who did the cover was Michael Goddamn Allred. Oh, yeah, that's uh, I hate when they do that misleading shit. When the artist interiors are worse than the fucking cover artist. Yeah, Rick Leonardi tough. is the art is the interior artist. Oh, yeah. yeah classic bait and switch. Yeah. I although I did hear that the art on the uh on that other one you just talked about is was good. The Atom. Was that good art? I uh, Oh, really? It was okay. <laughs> yeah, it was Steve Lieber. Yeah, that's the guy that did uh, Superior Foes of Spider-Man. I like his stuff. Yeah, this is not as good as Superior Foes of Spider-Man. Mm, okay. Yeah, and then the uh, the worst one of them, though, is Green Lantern Space Ghost. Well, yeah, I think almost any crossover involving Green Lantern seems to be bad. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, Ariel Olivetti doing art on that, and they do, like, they do a fucking cut-rate goddamn job of this. Like, what? what's the... I can't remember the guy's name. He's the artist who does, like, the incredibly, uh, like, painted, de- detailed art. Can't remember his name. Painted? Yeah, um... it, it, looks like, it looks like just like a fucking painting of a picture. Oh, Alex Ross. Yeah, this is some fucking cut-rate Alex Ross-looking shit. Oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah, like, it is... It is going for, like, the detail and, well, realism of the Alex Ross stuff, but he's doing it with fucking Larflees. Oh, yeah, no, that doesn't sound appealing. Yeah, and then also, like, half the... Certain designs... Certain designs don't fit, like, a... Right of a realistic take in artwork. No, like you would not want like a realistic take on Garfield. No, or Ooh. <laughs> yeah. So for for to pick that choice for yeah or, for uh, Anna Barbera, the art so, yeah. in Gurren Lagann, you wouldn't want realistic. No. <laughs> also, uh, they half this book is uh, goddamn. Uh, it, or half this book is the two of these guys fighting each other because both of them went to oh, a, goody. yeah both of them went to a section of space because they heard about because they got reports of a weapon they got like energy readings of a weapon there and both of them think e- each other is the weapon or, or are after the weapon <sighs> and then they're on this fucking planet they don't have their powers for the other fucking half the book ugh <sighs> How well, Jordan I'll, makes I'll everything worse. On, <laughs> I'll trust you on this one, Dead Man. Although some people with prominent comic book opinions have contradicted you on the Green Lantern book, but uh, 
Yeah, I know. I I realize that I'm probably in the minority of straight up hate for Hal Jordan. I, I think no, it's I'm all just right. saying, like, uh, it's just funny that that when Kara was actively promoting the Green Lan- the new Rebirth Green Lantern books, so yeah. Well, again, like I read that fucking first uh, Rebirth issue of uh, of Superman and hated that, and then went to the book and loved it. I. I mean, when I talked about it on the show, I, 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 uh, I'm enjoying uh, both those main Green Lantern books. But again, I haven't read a lot of Green Lantern. So maybe that's why. I don't know if that like plays a part into it because I, I don't really have a lot to pull from like to say this is better than this other I stuff. Mean, no, I, I mean, I just have do to I. assume it can't, it can't be as bad as New 52. Like my, my the New 52 soups. <laughs> My main the new fifty two take on Green Lantern is yeah you hate hell yeah, yeah my awful. main my main fucking like uh, history with the Green Lantern books is Blackest Night and Brightest Day and that Green Lantern New Guardians book that had Kyle Rayner in it that made me really like Kyle Rayner oh that yeah Justin Jordan wrote that for a while yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. other than that like fucking I watched Justice League and a cow and a fucking John Stewart's pretty cool mm-hmm. Yeah, they're not bad. I mean, I wouldn't say they're the best thing coming out at EC or anything crazy oh, fuck. like that. Dude, dude, dude yeah. come on. Superman no, no, is still I happening. No, I know. I'm, I'm, no, I, that's what I'm trying to say. Like, in terms yeah. of, like, you know, how I would rank it in, like, out of my favorite stuff coming out, it's in the middle somewhere, you know what I mean? But it's still, I think, all right. Uh-huh. But, yeah, anyways. Yeah. yeah, so that's that. Birdie. All right. Okay, what am I doing first? I didn't actually Power Rangers. Fuck it. Figure out an order for this. All right, let's get yeah. let's get let's uh, get the since, let's get the important shit out of the way first. <laughs> um, quick question before you start here, because I didn't really hear uh, your thoughts on it. You guys, I'm guessing, both watched a movie. Did you enjoy it? Yes or no? It was okay. It was okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm actually more positive on it now after seeing another movie. I'm gonna have to talk about it at some point. <laughs> Mm. Okay. Because uh, it, that movie, it's got problems as a result of create creative adaptation, but at least it doesn't just surgically implant stuff from the original material mm. onto something that doesn't fit. Like another movie I'm gonna have to talk about. <laughs> yeah, and, <laughs> okay, and like the, like that core group of five actors, they have really good on screen chemistry together. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. And those characters are the main reason that I would at least recommend looking at Power Rangers Aftershock because much like how the movie is a two-hour TV episode, uh, this book is a trade paperback-length TV episode (laughs) with a weird, weird premise. Did you look at this, Deadman? I forgot it was happening. So, uh, at the end of um, the Power Rangers movie, spoilers for the Power Rangers movie, sorry, um, Rita gets backhanded into space. As you do. uh, And Angel Grove is still recovering from, you know, apparently uh, this time... Rita didn't attack the empty warehouse district, so a lot of people are in uh, refugee tents and like trailer homes. Yeah. So weird experience for me. It's like, oh, there's actually 
long-lasting damage in a Power Rangers franchise. But, okay. <laughs> and um, it's bound to happen so sooner Zordon, or later. Yeah. So Zordon has uh, the Rangers like cleaning up after uh, the the remnants of uh, Rita's army, which I don't see why there should be a remnant of Rita's army because from the looks of it, it looks like she has to actively. From the film, it looked like she had to actively control everything that was active, but maybe I was wrong. So wait, you mean uh, you mean you mean, that they, you mean that they were uh, they had to, like fight the they were like putties left running around or something? Yeah, yeah, that's weird. Yeah, that but that's not the weirdest part. Oh, goody! Because um, <laughs> two escaped convicts find the remnants of a putty. And parts of the putty fuse with them and turn them into monsters. Were the were the inmates bulk and skull? No. Okay. So while this is going on, um, the Rangers are dealing with character development and ish type stuff. Like Jason is just trying to leader it up to such an extent that everyone's like, "Dude, chill." And uh, Billy and uh, Zach are having a weird bonding moment where Billy's like, hey, hey, guys, uh, everything we do breaks the laws of physics. I'm not sure we can really control these abilities all that well yet. And Zach's like, woohoo, superpowers. Yay! I jumped my house. And he gets kind of, and, but he gets kind of upset when. His cockiness almost causes a small group of civilians to fall off a cliff in a car. So he's kind of humbled by that, and the re- and I guess the rest of the character development stuff is just Jason working out how he should lead, and the whole time Trini is like, "Hey, you know, you probably should do this," or uh, you know, you kind of suck at you know figuring out what to do with the rest of us and not just telling us, or it's like. You know, you really shouldn't order us around when we're not in costume. Or Trini's like, hey, I'm here. <laughs> like she was in the movie. <laughs> well, they actually do a character thing with Trini that I really actually would have liked to have seen the movie where they're like, yeah, you know, my family, we don't like do the whole cheerleading, rah-rah, help each other out thing. We, we uh, nag and haggle each other until we... Hate each other, but we're also better off for it. Okay. I mean, that would have fit with what we were seeing yeah. from her family. I guess. No, I mean, it would. It would. It make. It would make sense. Again, another one of those things that I like. The, I like the characters in the movie. The script kind of failed them. In a lot of ways. Oh, absolutely. That script was. Oh boy. Yeah. But um, so eventually, um, the putty, the the man putties, as Billy called them, um, merge together into a giant monster. Naturally. Because sure. It's Power Rangers. Yeah. And eventually, and they use this as an ex- as a chant and. The fight has been going well enough that everyone's on board with using the Megazord, and they work together well to defeat the monster. Although I can't, I, even, 
drawn out, the the Megazord looks even worse than in CG. <laughs> it's just well, again, those have designs. You seen, are... Have you seen the Megazord, Nico? So, uh, from the movie? Yeah. I uh, no. I put up a picture. Or was it? Yeah. Okay. It's just. It's got a very stupid cockpit design, and also it's just very indistinct. Like the, it, I don't think Mighty Morphin Power Rangers is the best Power Rangers series by a country mile. But one thing I will give it over a lot of the other series is that it has the one of the most iconic Megazord designs. Mm-hmm. That's because it's the you, Megazord. Yeah. Oh, this looks like a transformer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's clearly the aesthetic they were going for. Yeah. And for some reason. They kind of do the Voltron thing where there's five individual cockpits uh, just exposed on different parts of the body, which doesn't make much right. sense. But hmm. it's the aesthetic they go with, and right. you have to stick with it when they do the Dragon Zord. But, um, yeah, much like the movie it came from, this was okay. Oh, well, I guess the other thing I forgot to mention is um, the Power Rangers are being surveyed and. Uh, interfered with by a government black ops corporation called Apex. You sure. know. <laughs> also, was this the was it was this a one shot or is this like an ongoing? I'm pretty sure it was a one shot. It seems know. like I a one shot. Okay. Oh, also, uh, they apparently, um, a couple years back, back in uh, 2015. Some uh, concept art from rejected ideas for the Power Rangers movie got leaked. And some of them actually look better than okay. the fucking movie. Hmm. That wouldn't surprise me. That often is the case. Like I've seen I've seen concept art for the uh for the original Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie, like what they were gonna do with Green Goblin and what they went with compared to what was conceptually discussed is kind of lame yeah like their alpha 5 like the alpha 5 in this is still kind of shitty but he doesn't look like an aborted frog alien so it's better i my opinion <laughs> yeah it looks yeah right. and in this case they do the okay well the the no face thing is kind of stupid but well they, it, it could it could just be like they have a they have a face but there is no face for us because we need to see them i, I don't maybe yeah like their redesign better. Yeah, that real design looks really cool. Like they keep like they keep like the updated thing of like incorporating more mm. green but still having like the Rita shit on it. The alpha design's a little too geth, but uh, Yeah, he looks too looks too competent. Yeah, too too geth or too gort from the day the earth stood still. If the, and if that's Zordon in the tube, he looks like a freaking Martian manhunter. Yeah, I'm gonna. It it would be really awkward at the point where the weird like dust and shit floating in it kind of like drifts aside for a second. We see or Zordon's dick. <laughs> Looks like a mindless one. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah, they look. Kind of, yeah. yeah, that, that alpha kind of looks like a mindless one. That alpha kind of looks like a mindless one. Kind of does. Anyway, just the eye on piece, topic. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, the art's not bad. It's competent, but there's nothing really distinctive about it. It kind of looks like a less interesting version of the art from the uh, Kyle Higgins series, which is kind mm. of unfortunate because as part of the way they sold this, they put the first two issues of the Kyle Higgins series at the end of it. Oh. Oh, honey. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, that's like, do, that's like doing a fucking like, that's like doing a, that's like doing a fucking movie about the Megaforce team, then releasing it with the first two episodes of RPM. Yeah. 
or like the after the the after credit stinger of the Justice League movie is a few episodes of JLU. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Honestly, I'm not putting it past DC to do something that incompetent. That would actually be amazing. Does the after credit sequence it just, it just cuts in? Like you just hear Kevin Conroy start talking. It's like, oh, what the fuck, dude, dude. And little children are like, Daddy, why did the movie get better? I thought it was over. Why wasn't it this? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Fuck. Uh, they, this fuck uh, it would be hilarious if they put all this money towards like actually doing all this stuff. And then they released like, those first few episodes, that first movie of Justice League instead. Oh, the, the three-part Secret Wars thing? Yeah. Just like, just like introduction to Justice League. And that was the reveal. Like, like, yeah, we got fucking Ben Affleck's Batman. And then one of the movie and the movie just starts playing and it starts with the fucking Warner Bros. animation logo with Bugs Bunny. Just, what the fuck? Yeah. But, um, yeah, much like the movie it was spawned from, this is okay. Okay. Hmm. All right. Nico. All right. So, so let's talk about, uh, Something we mentioned actually the last episode and being Deadman uh, recorded uh, in passing because we were talking about uh, you were talking about Archie and we talked about Riverdale for a little bit and then we talked about uh, the upcoming one shot called Jughead the Hunger which uh, came out at the time of recording last time so a couple weeks ago uh, done by uh, written by Frank Thierry and uh, great great art by Michael Walsh. Uh, so this is a fun little one shot in the same vein as like the afterlife with Archie type or Sabrina, the, like the supernatural the chilling adventures of Sabrina, the teenage yeah. witch <laughs> that Archie, <laughs> that Archie has been putting out very super fucking delayed. So the fact that they put out a little one shot kind of in the same kind of with, you know, the same sensibilities, like tone, like a fun little scary kind of, you know, story, uh, with you know the killing and everything it was pretty fun i really liked it uh did you end up reading this dead man or not yet okay so i'm just gonna post here for you guys a, a page from it in particular that really freaked me the fuck out <laughs> so basically the book starts out with you seeing miss grundy running down the street away from somebody who is turns out to be the riverdale ripper basically this is some sort of killer that's running around killing people in riverdale and uh no it's the it, crew of the cw show it, yeah and that show forgets it's about a fucking murder dude <laughs> <laughs> there's so much drama <laughs> yeah, there's so much drama how can we figure out who killed Jason Blossom when we don't know if Polly will get to keep her baby or not yeah if people are constantly everyone's on everybody's side will Betty's mom write that tear down piece of the Blossom family what about yeah. the Blossom fucking maple syrup fucking whatever we'll never know yeah Dilton so, Doily's go Dilton Doily's out there teaching this fucking <laughs> fucking Boy Scout troop how to skin a squirrel. But fuck that. We need to see Archie and we need to see fucking Archie and Valerie go on their date and then that blow up in his fucking face. <laughs> I know. Dan that guy's going through the women on that show fast. <laughs> Jughead's dad's a South South Serpent. What? <laughs> 
Don't forget Archie Andrews just uh, or Mr. Andrews just uh, fired, uh, basically uh, took over the company and cut Veronica's uh, mom's ties. <laughs> Don't forget. Crazy things are happening. The young guy Kevin's fucking is actually a spy for the serpents. What? <laughs> Anyways. I watch Riverdale um, for anybody who couldn't figure that out. Yeah, so do I. All up to date. <laughs> Sadly. It's not awful. <laughs> Don't watch it. It's not awful. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. As we're as we're sarcastically talking about this, you can tell we've both been actually watching the show. So. How about you, Birdie? Well, to me, <laughs> I've, I've watched bits and pieces of it, but not full episodes. But my, my reaction when... Dead Man talked about it is okay. Well, it's not as bad as Emerald City, but it's still probably not all that great. It is definitely not as bad as Emerald City. It's not all that great, but it's fine. You know, you know, one of those things that people hate to admit that they're watching, but they obviously are enjoying it on some level, like a guilty pleasure. That's what this show is for me. Because you mean, st- you mean like Stalker? <laughs> <laughs> stalker. <laughs> Uh, nope, I'll show what that is. Uh, be sure to check out the one of the only two full run series of X and Y, Stalking Stalker. Let me ask you this, Nico. Um, have you heard of the guy who? Have you heard of the guy? You've heard? Have you heard of Scream? Yeah, the guy who wrote Scream made a cop procedural about a police department that investigates stalker incidents but the head detective is also a stalker (laughs) okay no sorry the new detective is a stalker the head detective is a stalking victim yeah okay very clear distinction dylan mcdermott is a fucking stalker maggie q ain't no stalker that show is garbage dexter (laughs) <laughs> that show is so bad you can't even watch it legally anymore. Hmm. Anywhere yeah. they, they don't even have, they don't even, like they don't even have a fucking like landing page for the show on the CBS website. Wow, that's bad. Yes, it is. So be sure to check out our commentary <laughs> tracks for it. <laughs> of course, you guys talked about it. <laughs> of course, we fucking did. I'm a fucking yeah. idiot, and I was like, yeah, let's do that. And everyone, and other people were idiots, too, because they were like, yeah, sure, let's do this. That sounds like fun. Yeah. And then uh-huh. my friend Cora was like, dude, dude, this shit. And then I was like, oh, dude, dude, just- scream. <laughs> so it's not Wes Craven? Nope, it's Kevin Williamson. No, it's the writer. The writer, uh, not the director. Oh, the writer. Oh, okay. Kevin okay. Williamson also did Scream the TV series, which is also really terrible. Right. But I have gotten us off topic. I'm sorry. Please. No, that's okay. Season two of Screaming (laughs) at Scream coming soon, you fucking assholes, because I am going to make somebody watch that with me. (laughs) That's a good tangent. Birdie. (laughs) Anyways. Hey, don't look at me, man. I was never doing that, and I might have to get a more full-time job. I'm tired of pulling money out of accounts to pay bills. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Welcome to my life, too. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Anyways, one shot... Jughead the Hunger, back to the book. Here. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we were talking about how much we liked Archie, the actual series, and Riverdale on sublevels last episode. So this one shot came out. 
Miss Grundy is the opening scene of this issue where she's running down the street in fear uh, from uh, the Riverdale Ripper, which basically you see Miss Grundy get decapitated, slices her head right off within the first two pages, and then you see a big hairy arm holding the head of Miss Grundy as all the blood is dripping out of it and kind of just walking down the street. Cut to the open of the page I sent you guys of a fucking grotesque image of Jughead chowing down in an all-you-can-eat buffet. Yeah. (laughs) It's a very disturbing fucking page. With the ketchup looking like blood. Yeah. Because, you know, symbolism. (laughs) He's just covered in fucking, like, this in ketchup and with a massive sandwich that includes, like, a slice of pizza, spaghetti, a fish. (laughs) So it's like a lobster. Like, it's just it, it's just a disgusting sight of somebody gorging himself. I thought that Michael Walsh did a particularly good job of that, uh, of showing that page to the point where, like, the people were trying to kick them out, out of the uh, all-you-can-eat buffet because Jughead was going to put them out of business like Simpsons did it. Yep. <laughs> so, you know, that happens, and then they basically just go off into the street um, they run into some other people that have told them that basically Miss Grundy got killed and they kind of all go their separate ways home for the night, uh, only for Jughead to be walking alone. Uh, all of a sudden he starts getting all these, um, weird, uh, like smelling type. He, he starts to smell basically things from like miles away. Like, uh, Mr. Weatherby taking off his shoes and his dirty fucking socks. He can smell them. He can smell somebody spraying perfume. He can smell Reggie picking up his neighbor's flowers to send to Midge. He can just smell all these crazy scents that are going on. And then Dilton pops up, starts babbling on to him about God knows what. Uh, and he gets pissed off to the point where he just, you know, shut the, he just basically tells him to shut the hell up. As he transforms into a werewolf and basically mauls the shit out of him. (laughs) (laughs) So Delton dies, uh, you know, and as, you know, the hunger is becoming (laughs) him, he turns into the werewolf, the hunger takes over. And then later you cut to him waking up in the morning with a hot dog licking him. He he gets up out of the bed with uh, one of Delton's decapitated arms on the floor, blood all over the place, kind of wondering what the fuck went on. And then realizing that he can't remember shit, but he must be the uh, Riverdale Ripper, basically, which it turns out he is. Uh, That is what the Riverdale Ripper is. It's basically Jughead turning into a werewolf. And then Archie comes by. Archie tells him that as he was on his way home yesterday, he he ended up seeing Jughead transform and and kill Dilton and then run off. And basically he was telling him, you know, I'm going to try to come up with a way to help you overcome this and figure out what the fuck uh, is going on. They then bump into Betty, who's kind of acting, you know, like she doesn't know what the hell is going on. But then she turns around and knocks uh, Jughead down, starts beating the shit out of him. And then you, yeah, you it. find out. Yeah, you find out that she's basically like fucking like Van Helsing or something or like. A, yeah, apparent, apparently <laughs> like, the Jones family have a history of being werewolves and the Coopers have a history of killing werewolves. That's right. So wherever there's a Cooper, there's been a Jones throughout time because they have to keep track of these Joneses turning into werewolves, which is really fucking cool. I actually liked yeah, fuck it. that it's they just... made that. You know, who cares? I mean, this is just like a little one shot story. And the fact that she turned out to have like this whole generational thing of 
people coming up through Riverdale hunting these werewolves. <laughs> and it turns out that's her family. And she's just really badass. She actually throws down and puts up a really good fight against Jughead in this scene. And, and I really and, like uh, Archie throughout all this. Like, Oh, yeah. Like Archie sees the art's great. Yeah, Archie sees Jughead like fucking turn and just rip Dilton the fuck apart. Also, just other, yeah. other thing that was really cool. Uh, so they do, so they do the heartbeat thing where like when you when you turn to a werewolf, your heartbeat starts beating faster and faster and faster. And the way they did that was yeah. they had like a little like a sonogram. What's it called? Where it shows you your heartbeat on like a little line, like a heart monitor. Yeah, like a heart monitor kind like of thing. A, but yeah. all the beats are thump, like spelled out in the line. And then as his heartbeat gets faster and faster and faster, there are just more and more thumps appear, and it all fucking looks per- like fucking. Awesome. I didn't even notice that was thump until I like looked back at it for a second. Mm. Like I went on to the next page, like, wait a minute. Come back. Yeah, it's always yeah. thump, it was really cool. They look like handwritten by the artist. I think that I mean I've been following the artist Michael Walsh. He's he jumps around, he's done a lot of Marvel work, a lot of different things, but uh and his style has gotten more loose over time. But I think that this Jughead book in particular is some of his best work to date. It's really, really good. And I and the colors they they did look really awesome with it. And just kind of the whole panel layouts. Yeah, just top-notch job with the art on this particular issue for a one-shot. It looks like they de- they definitely put a good team together for it. And then yeah, they basically and, go to like, yeah. And Archie, like him him having seen that and then also just going like, like most other people, they start freaking out like, oh, God, you're a monster. And then later it would be, oh, no, you're my you're my friend. And this art just fucking immediately like, yo, dude, okay, you're my bro. Let's figure this shit out. Just fucking yeah. immediately. Which, I don't know. Do you think that's out of character for Archie or no? I don't think so. Okay, because like, it seemed a little bit of was, a stretch. If it, was, but... say, if it was, say, Betty who was a werewolf, then I would think it would be right. out of character. Right. But Jughead's kind of the one that he's always kind of there for. Like, Archie is a swell guy who kind of who's kind of a dick to women, but not to Jughead. Mm-hmm. So... From there, Archie comes up with this plan where they're going to go to the botanical garden and get this plant that will basically, uh, like, you know, like Wolfsbane. Yep. Or, yeah, Wolfsbane. Monkshood. That, that basically, yeah, well, which would basically cure him of, of you know, him being a werewolf. Uh, so then he transforms, and after trying to attack them, uh, it actually takes effect and brings him back down to normal. And then they feel that the problem is over, but of course... Uh, they all go to school the next day and then find uh, in Reggie's ha- uh, in his house because they go to see him. Uh, Betty's not completely 100% sure still with Jughead. Archie's kind of like, don't worry, it's over. She's not convinced. They go to see H- uh, Jughead and they find Reggie. Uh, again, brutally fucking murdered. Just, <laughs> just a huge like slice gash across his his face and and uh, and his like arm chewed up, sitting there dead on the ground. And on his way out of Riverdale, he basically hitchhikes his way out of town and leaves because he knows that as long as Betty's there, she will not, she won't stop. And she and he doesn't want to end up killing anybody else, so he just kind of takes off and disappears. So yeah, it was it was a really fun. One shot of Archie. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, if you liked Afterlife with Archie and you've been missing that book because it's gone on a fucking like two year hiatus or something at this point, it feels like. Um, so is this in the same vein as weirdly appropriate as like Archie versus Predator? Um, a bit yeah. more serious. Yeah, it's a bit more serious than Archie versus Predator because I read that book and it, it still had the the cartoony Archie 
look to it, like at least with the art. But uh, like, but this, yeah, is definitely. I'd definitely say it's more in the afterlife with Archie vein of books. Yeah, like, afterlife with Archie you, is ridiculous, but it plays it all completely straight and serious. Meanwhile, like fucking that shit yeah. is. It is jokes. It is like fucking buck tooth bow tie Archie and super violence. This is right tone, like writing wise, art wise, character wise. It is all played very straight. But yet, I still also like Archie versus Predator. So it's, it's, Archie, it's, versus it's, Predator, it's Archie versus Predator is fun. But this yeah, book is but this book is not fun in the same way. No, 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 no. Definitely. I just think it's it's another kind of. I'm making the the. The, the statement to say that it's like that book in the sense that it doesn't fucking matter what happens in this issue. Like, <laughs> Archie's still gonna go... Archie's still gonna go on. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so... This isn't your Archie main ongoing series. This is definitely... Some, like, this is like... Pick this up. Just have, you know, fun with it. Because it doesn't really matter what happens to the characters in this story. So, it, it's... I really, really did like it, though. I think even if you haven't been reading any of those other Archie books and you're just kind of looking for like a cool horror take on uh, Archie, definitely check this out for the, for the art alone too. I, I, again, I love the art in this book. So, uh-huh. uh, yeah. So yeah, there you go. Okay then. So my first book, I mean, my second book is animosity. So this is a book that, uh, I had seen advertised a few places, uh, for this is uh, an aftershock book. Uh, written by Marguerite Bennett, or by Raphael de la Tour. And the first time I saw this book, it was with uh, this. It was with this really fucking cool, like, promotional bit for it that was only three pages with uh, 36 panels, 12 each page. And so the premise of this, so the premise of the book is that one day around the world, every animal became sentient. They're able to talk. They're able to basically be people. And it starts out with, uh, it starts out with like a guy talking to a vet, talking to a, like an exterminator because they have rats in their walls and stuff. Guy just talking. And then as he goes to like insert the hose to inject the poison into the wall, just all the rats just dive out of the wall. Just going die, you bastard. And then we have the three page thing. And it's really, really well done. And also really funny. Nice. Yeah, so it is. So, like, we got we got a polar bear eating a fucking seal. We got a rooster fucking a chicken. We got a lady at SeaWorld with an orca whale. We got pandas. We got some people laying in bed with their cat. Got a guy. Got a late, Got a young girl hanging out with a dog. Got a guy about to fucking murder a cow with one of those weird, like, bolt guns. Next page, we get to see we get to see every animal like have the sudden realization of oh wait I'm fucking alive, and some people's reaction to that and like there's one with a there's one with like a guinea pig eating her babies because I guess guinea pigs do that, mm-hmm. and then and then like with the reaction page of them of her waking up she's like oh god what have I done the next page she eats the next baby. <laughs> But then we got a fucking cat threatening one of his threatening one of his owners because he kept beating his wife. We got pandas stealing the shotguns of security guards and killing themselves. Screaming, why did you why did you keep us alive for so long? You pieces of shit. We got the whale from fucking uh, SeaWorld confessing his love to his trainer. And then it just kind of goes from there. 
with all the animals coming to light, with all the animals like coming alive. Uh, the dog is uh, the dog's name is Sondor. Uh, taking care of Jesse and yeah, after a while, it just, just kind of it just goes. It just kind of leans whole hog into this thing, and it isn't a standard apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Because that was like, you know, the collapse of civilization stuff, but it isn't like because there is some other fucking horrible shit happening. It's just, it's just like fucking half, like more than half the life on the planet all of a sudden got human level intelligence. What are we going to do about that? And the book does a really great job of not painting any one group as wholly evil. Like there, like there are, you know, human, um, there are, you know, the marauders and stuff of human and humanity and whatever. But then there's also just some straight up animals that are just dicks. Like there's a like there's a fox leading a leading a leading like an animal's first camp. Like there's a little settlement for a bunch mm-hmm. of the animals and stuff where they're all doing their own thing. They have like their own armed forces, which for some reason includes a deer with grenades tied to its antlers. <laughs> and I don't mean That's tied awesome. like, you know, like duct tape. I mean, like tied like Christmas ornaments. It's like each grenade has like two as like a foot of string tied to it that is a tied, I believe, around the pin so that the deer can just fucking whip its head around and throw grenades at people using its fucking head. That's crazy. Yeah. So the and so the fox there is like, yes, we need fucking animals. This is a this is an animal community. We ain't doing shit for them sapes because, of course, they have a, because of course they have a slur for humans. And then you get to the end of that spoilers, but it's revealed that the other animals are performing a fucking are like doing a coup because they don't believe that uh, because the fox was leading. It was like, yes, animals don't eat animals because we are sentient. This is just straight up cannibalism. The other one's like, fuck you, dude. I'm a goddamn coyote. I need meat. I've been pissing out of my asshole since I got here. Your fucking tofu shit ain't working. And. It's had a lot of really weird character development for Sondor the dog. Because he is he is a dog and the dog uh dog like loves Jesse his person as much as you would expect a dog to love somebody. But yeah, ha- but he has that love mm-hmm. but is also the dissonance that I can't really do anything for her because I'm a dog. Right, like like th- like this girl is going through puberty. She gets her first period, and then Sondor just starts freaking the fuck out. Like I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I have to learn how to read to teach her how to read. I have, I, have, I don't know how to do fucking arithmetic, and I'm still trying to teach this bitch what taxes are. And it it all works really well. Marguerite Bennett, I have uh, read some of her mm-hmm. stuff before when she was uh, with the work she did for um like the bigger name companies. Okay. Uh, I'm just I'm actually trying to pull up uh, some of her old work so that I remember what it actually is. I know that I've read her stuff before. Didn't she co-write A-Force? Uh, or is that... I, th- I think so. I think she did with G. Willow Wilson that first... Yeah, that, she did. Uh, she-, she also worked on Earth 2, uh, Red Song. Yeah, yeah, she did work on A-Force. Okay. She did a Josie and the Pussycats miniseries. Hmm. Yeah, she's done a lot of really good stuff, and I have really enjoyed her work before. This is no exception. I do really like this book. It's I think you've sold me on it. It sounds really good, actually. Yeah, and it did kind of put Aftershock on my radar. 
So yeah, expect expect me to talk I, a bit more about Aftershock in the coming weeks. The only one I've read by them uh, so far is the. Um, I've read two things. I read American Monster, the Azarella book, and I read some book by um, Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti. I forgot what it was called. Yeah. The Azarella book was good. Yeah, like they have some fucking big name talent over there doing books. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it's definitely worth checking stuff out. Yeah, they got like a, like I said, they have Amanda Connor, Margaret Bennett. Um, Garth Ennis is doing a book called Jimmy's Bastards. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah. Yeah, there's Paul Jenkins, um Tony Harris. Mm-hmm. Mark Wade, Ray Fox, Frank Thierry, all kinds of really good big name talent working on books over there. Mm. No, it's cool that you're talking about them because yeah, I think that they're definitely being overlooked as a publisher just being because it's the newest publisher probably in a while right like, yeah but there is a lot of good people over there yeah yeah so animosity is real good start out for that series for, for that label to me uh they have um there are six issues out for that now for animosity uh more will be coming uh no real word on like a physical release for anything from them Seems to be all mostly digital. Yeah, I was about to say. I think that like it doesn't seem like a lot of the stuffs like on the direct market, like or on Amazon. Like I can't find any other because I was just trying to look it up myself. I don't really see if Volume One. Yeah, maybe vol- it's not out yet. No, no, Volume One is out. It came out last month. It's just digital. It's only right available now, in digital. Or? Yeah, you can you can buy it you can buy it directly from the AfterShock site or buying a Kindle version from Amazon. Hmm. Okay. I'll read, maybe I'll read it digitally. Yeah. So it looks good. Animosity. It's really good. Check it out. Birdie. Okay. Well, uh, let's go ahead and get through the uh, weirdly simple one. So, Angel Catbird. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not kidding. Aside from the. The complications, this story is ridiculously simple. So, um, a scientist at a genetics lab is working on a, a formula called Super Splicer. Because of course he is. Naturally. And his boss is telling him it will cure so many diseases by fixing genes. And he's saying in his brain, don't worry, I'll use it for its intended purposes. To make half-human, half-rat monsters for my harem. Because the boss is a rat man. Naturally. He looks like a human, but he can turn into a rat man if he so chooses. So he's a were-rat. <laughs> Who would yes. want to turn into a rat man? <laughs> okay. I mean, they are the weaker, sort of power? I mean, they are the weaker of the lycanthropes in D&D, but, you know, they still have their uses. <laughs> I'm just saying, so, if you had the choice, <laughs> it's like, I'm sure Splinter would like to turn back into a human if he could, you know what I mean? <laughs> nah, dog, Splinter seems cool with it. <laughs> so the scientist is uh, attempting to finish the formula. He, he's he's informed that his predecessor left the company and took a portion of the final formula with him. He doesn't know how it's, it, he's trying to figure out what that final component is. 
He uh, figures it out kind of by chance at the home. So he calls boss. Boss, I know you've been wanting me to get on this. I finished it. Excellent. Call me and I will come here and I will meet you. Come with the formula in the morning and I will be there to show it. And so basically things will be wonderful. We'll be rich. Everything will be great. Of course, the boss is evil. So, okay, this is the most contrived, complicated murder plot I've seen from a mad scientist. Um, <laughs> so he remote controls a rat to lure out the scientist's cat out of his apartment and get it hit by a car so that the scientist will come out of his house with the formula so that he can so that the scientist can run him over with the car okay <laughs> sure <laughs> and this strange rube goldberg sequence of events plays out exactly as planned right of course <laughs> the the, the the variables are just too much to make my head spin for that, but whatever. Um, but uh, when he hits him with the for- with the car, he of course spills the formula and is laying in it, as is a dead pigeon and the rem- remains of his cat. Oh shit! So his DNA mixes with that of a cat and a bird. Ah, uh, okay. And that makes yes, an angel now. Yeah, an angel cat bird. Of course. <laughs> and he wakes up, looks at himself, like, oh my god, I'm a cat. Oh my god, I have wings, I'm flying. Woo! It's just dope. Oh man, my dick turned into yeah. a cat dick, but fuck it. <laughs> got spines and shit yeah. or whatever. I don't know how cat yeah. dicks work. And uh, he's like, okay, I figured this out, this is awesome, but... People are already saying it's weird that some guy in a furry cat in a uh, in a furry costume with wings is just flying around town. Probably should just get out of sight. Fortunately, he doesn't fly that well and bangs his head into the wall. Wakes up the next morning, looks normal. Goes to <laughs> for a Margaret Atwood. Yeah, yeah, and I'm gonna have to talk about that once I'm done explaining the plot of this first one. So he goes to work. Um, Sees, remembers bits and pieces of what happened before he turned into Angel Cat. It's like, did my boss try and kill me? No, that's ridiculous. Why were there rats? <laughs> By the way, Deadman, you missed the uh, uber complicated murder plan of the scientist. Sending rats to eat him? No, he trained. He used a remote control rat to lure the scientist cat out of its apartment so it could get hit by a truck which would lead the scientist to come out of his apartment and find the cat's remains so that the scientist could run him over with a car. Brilliant! Yep. <coughs> the crime of the century! It's my cat got hit by a car. Then I got hit by a car. Oh, no, Scoob. So, yeah, um, he goes to work the next day and... Meets with this uh, female co-worker he had spoken to for the first time yesterday. And he's in, in his brain, he's going, oh my god, she's so much hotter now for some reason. <laughs> Is she also an angel cat bird? Huh? Is she also no, a cat bird? Um, she's, she's a were cat. Okay, so, he, so she's the less cooler version of a cat bird. 
Yeah. Okay. And that's the weird thing about this story. Like, yeah, as that's far as I the can weird tell, thing. <laughs> I'd rather be a rat man than that. <laughs> I don't get how this world works because um, he's the one who was born by a weird scientific accident. But there's also this society of half-cat, half-rat people that have been at war for centuries. Don't worry about it. The thing you need to worry about is why Angel is in his name. Because he is not an angel in any way, just other than the fact that he is man-shaped-ish with wings. Sure. Is that the only reason? Like, do, do they refer to him as... As far as I can tell. Do they refer to him as an angel in any capacity in that book? I don't think so. Then why they, the fuck is it called Angel Catbird? I don't know. Just cat bird just because of that. Because, because I don't know because of the cover. <laughs> just man cat bird. Fuck it. What you afraid South Park was too because it's too close to man bear pig? <laughs> yeah. What drugs so, are you on, uh, Margaret Atwood? Stop hanging out with fucking Grant Morrison. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, eventually, I mean, he, he first he starts hearing the thoughts of cats. You know, because cats, cats are, are tel- cats are telepathic. You know. That is a that is a yeah. known scientific fact. Yeah, and uh, the cats call him a piece of shit because he stops them from eating a rat. He's like, "You piece of shit," which is kind of funny at first, and then he he he's kind of confused by how this is all playing out until uh, he feels like, "Okay, I can't. I, I think I actually did turn into an a, a cat bird man, but I don't know how." And when he explains this to the woman who revealed immediately that he's a were cat. Was like, uh, so how did you change the first time? I was like, I don't know. I think I got hit by a car. It's like, you want me to hit me? He's like, okay. And she <laughs> brains him over the head with a bottle, and he wakes up in his angel cat bird. So whenever or he's knocked unconscious, bird, he wakes up as a fucking bird cat man? At this point in the story, yes. Is it just like go to, it's just like go to sleep, or you have to be well, like actually, violently no, no, knocked unconscious? No, that's unconscious. the first time. That's the, the first time. No, it's like he 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 gets knocked dizzy and wakes up. It's like it's not a split personality thing. It's just he the first time he when he's not learning how to control his powers, he's bonked on the head to turn change. No, I, I get that, but it, I, I knew I knew it was a split personality thing. But like, is it he has to be violently knocked unconscious in order to wake up and be in the bird cat body, or is it just he has to go to sleep and then he wakes up as a bird cat body? No, he has to be the first time. He has to be violently brained on the head, got knocked unconscious, and then wakes up in the bird cat body. Hmm. That would be real awkward if he was violently brained and then just never woke up. <laughs> it's like, what were you yeah. thinking, woman? You don't. When you brain somebody, they might not wake up. God damn it! You should have come to us. We're scientists. Yeah. Luckily, they only do this the one time. After that, she starts. Exp- She's, he starts hanging out with the the cat lady because he's attracted to her, and she sort of explains. Well, the way I usually change is, uh, well, I start when if I want to think about a person, I think about stuff cats would hate, and if I need to change back, I think about what cats would like. It's like that's oddly vague. It's like, eh, you kind of work on it. It's like, and so the first time he has to change back of his own will, he's like, you know, I think as a cat, I would not like being in a laundry machine. So he just imagines him being a cat in a laundry machine, and that somehow changes him back. As a person, sure, I wouldn't want to be in a laundry machine. <laughs> like, that's not a specific to cat thing. <laughs> like, like, most things that cats wouldn't like, I also wouldn't like. 
You know, being chased by a violent dog, I would not like that. Being spritzed in the face of the bottle of water, I would not like that. <laughs> being thrown out of a plane, I would not like that as either a cat or no person. Yeah. So, um, hell, as a cat person, I might that, like it more because then I might have wings to go along with it, so yeah. I can just fucking fly away. Where does yeah. Angel Catbird rank among the pantheon of cats? <laughs> Below Top Cat. <laughs> okay, good. No. But above that one time, the but above, but above that one time, the Flintstones had a saber toothed tiger as a pet. Right. Remember that yeah. fucking weird era. I don't actually. Right. So, um, uh, his his lady werecat friend is the lead singer in a lounge group at a club called the Catastrophe. Fuck you! <laughs> Get fuck Margaret Atwood. It's okay. It's blown up by the end of the first volume. Thank God. Wow, you, gotta, you gotta love. You gotta love cat puns. Come on, get it in where you can. Yeah. Well, they're not. They're not done with the cat puns because after um, <laughs> after the Doctor Moroy, the evil rat man, pulls a penguin from Batman Returns and sends an army of remote controlled rats with bombs on them to blow up the club. Ah. <laughs> <clears throat> uh... They discuss the the half cat people, the, the the cat people all decide. Okay, we need to find further allies for this war against an against the Rat Man and his army of remote controlled rats. Margaret so, Atwood is seventy seven. <laughs> Did she just find out she was a furry? <laughs> there is a description at the front of this book that several pages. That sounds like an old lady expl- explaining things as to why she said that. You know, it's weird that everyone says a weird old literary lady like me would probably never want to be involved in comics, and everyone's like, why would you want to do that? And it's like, oh, I've got my views. <laughs> Five years ago, I found Tumblr and it opened my eyes to a whole new world of sexual experiences I could I could finally experience in my old age. So I wrote a book. Ah. It was, it was weird finding a guy to write, it was weird finding a guy to draw it, especially when all the scripts I sent him smelled vaguely of tuna. Ooh, how about this deep cut, uh, a cartoon cat? Check this one out. <laughs> D- uh, <laughs> Claw's cat from uh, Inspector Gadget. Oh, what the Ooh. fuck? I didn't even know he had a cat. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, I did. Cause it, yeah. Uh, oh, no, right, says, that I'll, cat. I'll, oh, yeah, it's fucking Dr. Claw, right, Dr. Yeah. Claw's cat. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the one that's like just you know that's the only thing you see in the darkness when he's stroking. Oh, just him. fucking like, <laughs> next time, gadget. Next time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and he's always giving him cut eye. <laughs> I forgot. Doctor Claw had a cat. Oh yeah. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. Need <laughs> yeah, cat birds so, below that cat. Yeah. So, of course, um, of course. <laughs> so after the. After club catastrophe is destroyed, fuck you. Um, uh, the the wear cat's special half cat half bat spy Count Catula shows up. Fuck you. And tells them that they just- <laughs> fuck you. What? I know. Do you see how you just like kind of slip that in? Oh yeah, the half cat half bat. <laughs> I was like, wait a second. Fuck you, Margaret Atwood. Jesus Christ. 
Cat Batula? Is that what you just? <laughs> I'm Catula. Just... Oh, Catula. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, we need to take a break. <laughs> like, I need to swap out batteries. Gonna the... come... I need to swap out batteries on the recorder. Uh-oh. Also, just like fuck you. I need a minute. You just kind of like recompose yourself. <laughs> I need to like decompress. <laughs> we'll be right back. And we're I, back, I just... everybody. <laughs> Fucking Count Catula. Yes. Fucking, why, why, why not Cat Batula? <laughs> eh. Just fuck, fuck, fuck. <laughs> Makes Blackula sound dignified. <laughs> and her description of why she made this is that from my, from from my constant reading of comics starting in 1939 to the present and my and my late life love of bird conservation and the fact that I have a dozen cats <laughs> I came up with this concept of course she has a fucking dozen cats <laughs> wait you said you started reading comics in 1939 yes she was born in 1939 well she she mentioned she almost immediately started reading comics that's what it says in in this book so she fucking popped out of the womb with a thing of action comics <laughs> uh what did she say she was reading first uh no mickey mouse <laughs> yeah <laughs> she just fucking she just fucking came out of the womb and landed into a pile of unreleased jeff lemire scripts <laughs> <laughs> and by all accounts dead man the, the she's gonna lead into the puns in a way you don't like because the second volume is the cat people have to go get the help of the clan of cat bats at Count Catula, at Castle Catula. Man, I think I'm on board now. We're gonna take another break. <laughs> 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 Fucking hell! You know it'd be fun if they did a crossover with Count Chocula. <laughs> I will fight you. <laughs> You're in Toronto. That that is a fucking plausible threat right there. Yes, yes. I can't I can't do shit to Birdie. He's in New Orleans. You're fucking two hours away from me. Don't tempt me, yeah. fucko. Bus right. Face right. But fucko. Yeah. So, so anyway, I take out um, my name. I might end up driving fucking to Toronto at some point to get a new phone, so while I'm there, I might just look you up and give you fucking curb stomping. Uh oh. <laughs> so the only the only thing I really don't like about this, creatively at least, I mean, you can say what you want about the story. You kind of have to interpret it as you will. Motherfucker um, Catula. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to interpret there. <laughs> I'm going to look up a picture of this. <laughs> but um, It looks like yeah. furry porn. <laughs> like well-drawn furry porn, but still. Fucking, well, yeah, that's about to say. The fucking cover I, is like that goddamn like six pack V leading down to his low cut pants as he's just fucking like sliding off a frame. Yeah. Well, because I mean, this was actually done by a professional artist. It was done by Johnny Christmas. Yeah, yeah, I know him. Who um, drew uh, Sheltered? I think you've talked about that dead man. Uh, Nico. Okay, Talk about that, I, I think one of us had talked about it, and he also worked with Curtis Weeb on uh, Pisces, which based on the premise actually sounds kind of fascinating, but I, I'm, 
I'm torn about that, but I'll talk about that with the, I feel so torn about Curtis Weed these days. Ugh. He finished uh, Peter Panzerfoss. <laughs> it's not his books, it's his persona. Oh, yeah. What is his persona? I haven't really seen a lot about that. Uh, well, you know the whole reason he stopped writing Rat Queens, right? No, I don't. He was arrested for domestic assault. That was the artist. Well, that was the artist. That was Rock oh, Up Church. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, Kurt, I guess that must be a different person then. No. Okay, never mind. Uh, okay, so I don't feel as bad about that anymore. Curtis, I think Curtis Weeb says it, said it didn't happen, but that might just be him defending a sticking up for his buddy. Yeah, but yeah. um, he's still, yeah, no, he's still doing Christmas. Rat Queens. Rat Queens is just relaunched. It came back. It was actually very yeah. good the yeah, first day. I think that all that stuff is the reason it got disrupted. He's also right. DMing D twenty yeah. babes. Yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah. So the. The book, the book, uh, the book is well drawn. I will say, Johnny Christmas is a very talented artist. For I mean, it's not necessarily... He he obviously gets to have fun with these weird designs, to say the least. <laughs> and the image of a group, uh, an army of remote controlled rats blowing up a club is kind of amazing. <laughs> Look at the mustache on Count Catula. That's hilarious. <laughs> I will not. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. It's quite a stash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I will uh, burn that mustache off his fucking face. But it's hard <laughs> to believe that this was written by the same woman who wrote a book about a fascist society where men must, where women must serve only as uh, workers and vaginas for men to fuck. Hmm. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> oh man. So yeah. Uh, Moving on. I highly recommend this. <laughs> All right. Moving. What can I say, Dead Man? I like the fuck. <laughs> Moving the fuck on. All right. <laughs> Castle Catula coming at you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Don't call it so a comeback, Nico. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. All right, so my next book. <laughs> okay, fucking two days. <laughs> the old guard. We're going to have so some words, motherfucker. Is... <laughs> going to fucking take you, out, gonna take you out back Timmy's and show you what what. <laughs> All right, so my next book is The Old Guard by uh, Greg Rucka uh, and Image Comics. It's his new book. Uh that he's just released uh, or there's been two issues that have come out so far and uh, Birdie, uh, I know since you were curious about this title in particular, uh, unless you, you weren't aware already, uh, the artist on it is uh, Leandro Fernandez, who is the artist on that book you talked about, which I ended up checking out after you talked about it on the show, the discipline. That was the one with the weird sex, like, fucking cult demon things or whatever the hell was going on in that book lizard people yeah fucking i don't know yeah that lizard that's what they were so uh leandro fernandez's art though after checking out that book myself i really really like it i'd say it's like a mix between like uh uh the guy that always works with brian azarello uh what's his name eduardo rizzo and uh 
I don't know, maybe like even like a a Chris Somney or so, or like even like Mike Mignola, like the way he uses the blacks uh, with the rest of like uh, the black shading with the rest of his actual art, like figure work. Uh, and the colors that he does is a big part of this book, I would say. The colors also, it's very vibrant. I'm just going to post a picture of you guys right now. It's a very vibrant comic. Uh, and like it, it just makes the, um, the art like pop off the page that much more. Um, I really like his style a lot. Like, uh, so it has been a slow burn this book so far with only two issues in. If you like Greg Rucka's stuff, uh, you, you, you already know that Greg Rucka is famous for writing, you know, uh, strong female protagonist characters. And, and, and this book is no exception. I know people have criticized his writing before because of that, because he consistently does it. Um, but I don't really have a problem with that as long as they're well written characters. I mean, if that's his thing, what's that? Oh yeah. Well, that's what I mean. If that's his thing, that's not a bad thing to be known for. No, but I mean, Frank Miller's thing is whores with guns. I don't really want that. Right. (laughs) Yeah. No, this is not that he writes actual good, strong uh, like sophisticated like characters like really good uh, strong female leads where and this one in particular is is a, a, a pretty much an eternal warrior that's what this book is about the old guard is referring to basically uh four immortals that have uh met up with each other throughout time and have fought and shared many a battlefield battlefields uh going back all the way to uh, god knows when like they've they and as the two issues have uh gone on uh, and they're introducing to you them being in the present day like today um each issue has actually focused on um giving you a little bit more information about each one of their past so some of the things that i posted uh, pictures in the chat here that you'll see is one of them in today's time going into war in a in a country uh and then and then uh i don't know if it was iraq or I forgot which country they go into, but basically something, some sort of country that they're the states is at war with, uh, and then basically, and, and then the second image that I posted was something back from another time where they met up uh, the two warriors on the battlefield, the two men of the team, two of the three men, and that's when they w- met the uh, leader of the team, uh, uh, the woman. Uh, her name is. Their names are Andy, Nikki, Joe. Booker and Nile, which is the there's a fifth person now that they ended up meeting in this second issue. So basically, these are four warriors that across that they've they, they've kind of went throughout time as a team. Uh, right now, they're like a like a black ops type team that goes in and does secret missions or just missions basically to help people uh, that they put together. And they meet a fifth person while on the battlefield that ends up dying, but then coming that ends up coming back to life. And they uh, they catch on this uh, when they end up seeing her the next day after she gets killed, and uh, she doesn't know what the hell happened. But basically, the the female leader of the group is there to basically let her know how this all happened and what went down, and basically to guide her and make her part of the team as they kind of go. Like they they don't actively seek out the other Eternal people, but they have come across them one way or another and they basically have just used their their powers more so for good than bad they're not basically there to take over the world or do that they're just trying to live their lives and and basically uh if highlander uh, taught yeah. us anything immortal warriors will find each other eventually yep that's how it right. works yeah <laughs> 
so so that's that's so that's what this is i mean uh like i said it's a very slow start so far uh i'm kind of just trying to explain the basic premise of it because there isn't really a lot to kind of grasp onto as of yet because greg rucka has been writing it uh uh you know taking his time with this with the introductions of everybody and basically kind of getting you to know where they've come from and their individual past and you know where they are now presently so um like i said the art's really great it's the artist from the discipline uh who actually oh. is, yeah wow. you, I, I think i think you had stepped away i think you had stepped away from the mic when i originally mentioned that as my first thing <laughs> yeah um, yeah <laughs> greg rucka with that artist i like that artist i, okay. I, I no i mean i'm not saying i don't like that artist right. but that's a weird tone deaf thing because i'm because greg rucka mostly does grounded characters right. and i don't think grounded when i think the discipline mm-hmm. no i, I agree I but pages I, of it and it works okay yeah like i mean even the stuff that i posted in the uh in the chat here for yeah. you guys to check out if you checked out that i think it's it yeah. looks really good um i i know what you're saying though it definitely is different than probably what you've expected of some of his other work but i mean if you've liked lazarus or if you've liked any of his other kind of like um he did a lot of this comic called uh, queen and country which i don't know if you guys have ever either checked that out but that's basically like a um like an mi13 like a kind of like like a like a james bond type um like kind of there's a lot of mis between james bond and the current one (laughs) (laughs) right uh, it's, it's basically that it's, it's that kind of thing where there's like a, like a, a secret, like intelligence type agency that, um, that he did on that. And he, again, that like uh, any of these war type comics or these, uh, the, these things with like, uh, like similar to Lazarus that Greg Rucka has done, I've really en- enjoyed. So if you've liked any of his previous work, I definitely suggest checking this out although i'm now gonna drop the book in issues and read it in trade i think it's gonna read way better in one big chunk just because of the uh storytelling that he's been kind of doing so far in these first two issues so um so yeah definitely check it out i highly recommend it um if you do like greg Rucka's stuff i i have no doubt that you'll enjoy this book as well um it yeah. sounds more sensible than angel cat bird <laughs> Yes, very much more sensible than Angel Capper. <laughs> it's not hard. There's no, yeah, there's no characters uh, called uh, that are half cat, half bad in this, unfortunately. But, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, the old garden, mm. check it out. <laughs> Dead man. <laughs> so moving on to my last book, Curse Words. Well, that's just what you've been saying since I said the word catchula. The words count Catula to be specific. But no, Curse Words is... Oh, right, this book, right, yeah. Yeah, Curse Words is written by Charles Soule and drawn by Ryan Brown, the creator of God Hates Astronauts. Yes, I want to check this out. That's an even weirder combination than the one Dead Man, than the one Nico just described. Yes, yes, it is. (laughs) And... This is really good. Good. I really good. like it. That's awesome. So it is about a magic user from an alternate dimension uh, calling himself Wizard. <laughs> okay. 
Yeah, he was the uh, he was the uh, basically the first assault line of an invasion force. You see, he worked for this uh, horrible, like dark, evil demon dude from another dimension who wants to take over our world. And Wizard was the first one he sent through. He sent Wizard through, and then once Wizard got there, he saw, oh wait, things are nice here. Not everything is on fire. There are no, like, slaves. There is no, like, lordship or anything like that. So, I think I'm going to not do that. I think I'm going to not, like, use this potion that came they made up, that I came up with to, you know, destroy the world. And so, he just kind of reveals himself to the world. And says, hey, I'm wizard. I'm here to help. He gets himself, uh, like, he, he starts out looking like a... You know, like a uh, standard kind of magic guy. You know, with like like long robes, long hair and stuff. And then he gets this really interesting look to him where he's wearing a fucking dress shirt with a vest. Like uh, the, like, you know, the shaved sides, uncut, like top style hair but with a long, giant white wizard beard that is impossible to cut. <laughs> because once somebody tries to cut it, magic destroys the scissors. And now he's well, ba- of course. yeah. Now he's basically working as a now he's kind of working as a genie basically. Just like he has three like he has three rules that he does like no cures, no wars, no love. And then if anybody wants a favor for him, he brings they bring him some sapphires and then he does magic to them. Like the first guy shows up, he's a pop star who wants to like go platinum, and he keeps saying, "I want to go platinum for real." So he makes him out of platinum. <laughs> yeah, I saw that coming. Yeah. And. So it's like why you would never want like a fairy to grant your wish. Yeah, exactly. Just... <laughs> but he but he says like, hey, I'm here to help. That's his big thing. Like anytime he shows up, it's like, hi, I'm wizard. I'm here to help. Right. And he actually does a pretty good job of it for a while. Like he is kind of like out there doing stuff. He has a little familiar with him that's uh, that's like that looks like a koala. <laughs> he, you know, helps people, uh, reduces, uh, you know, produces food. Um, he never he like brings people back from there. Uh, like he finds people who were lost. He helps make make a uh, fucking sports stars not have to take drugs in order to get awesome. And then another wizard from his world named Cornwall shows up. He gets murdered straight up. Just fucking set on fire with a soul mm. eaten. <laughs> and then he and then he uh, he's seen by a football stadium full of people. Sorry, a baseball stadium full of people that he then shrinks and puts in a bottle. And yeah, things just kind of go worse as the guy who originally sent him begins sending other people. To go, you know, find him, make him use the potion in order to fuck everything up. And I just really like this. It's fun. Wizard is a really dumb name for a character, but I like the design of him. I li- I kind of like his character. Uh, I like the way that he does things. Like uh, the first thing, uh, like one of the things he does in the second issue was uh, he goes to a war, uh, like a warlord calls him and says, hey, I want you to make me 20. 
So then, uh, so then Wizard reads his mind. It's like, oh, you're a monster. Okay, here are 20 clones of you. And they all start murdering each other. Just interesting problems, interesting solutions to those weird problems he has. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I just really like this and I really want to see where it goes from here. Um, Ryan Brown's art is fucking fantastic. Yeah, I like him. I I mean... It sounds like it's a little bit obviously more grounded than God Hates Astronauts was because that was just Ryan Brown unleashed. Like, yeah, the, yeah this, this is Charles Soul writing, not Ryan Brown. Right. He's only doing the artwork. Right. right. But it's, it still sounds like it has some f- uh, funny elements to it, which is perfect for Ryan Brown's like art style, I guess. Like, yeah. it's, yeah. Okay. But it is definitely more grounded uh, than, than obviously. It's like, as God grounded as a series about a wizard from another dimension can be. Right. Okay. You know, like Ryan, not, Ryan Brown's artwork is not, fucking fantastic. Like he is able to get so much detail out of fucking anything he does and is still able to have like this really insane amount of energy behind anything he draws. But is this like trying to crack a joke like every other page type book? No, it is or not. No. Okay. It has it has that, its comedy elements, yeah. but it does play its right. story straight. Okay. That's what I meant more than like in comparison to God Hates Astronauts. Okay, cool. Yeah, like it is uh like Wizard, uh, him doing his thing. He ha- he has like a, he you know he has his like cute animal sidekick, but he but that but that sidekick uh, is more just he's not there for comedy. The comedy of the situation is oh this is oh he's a koala saying these things, right? But other than that, he's like a fine he's like an alright character. Um, everybody else is same kind of thing. Like one of the. Uh, like one of the people who are who is working for this evil being to send who might be get, who I get sent over is a big old fat centaur. He's in the cover issue too. But yeah, like it plays it relatively straight, still has its humor to it. And yeah, it's just it's just really good. Mm-hmm. Not too serious, not too over the top, fucking funny, stupid stuff. Just really a solid book. Mm-hmm. That's good to hear. I haven't been digging a lot of the recent Charles Soule Marvel projects, only because they're mostly Inhuman related. Uh-huh. Uh And I do like him as a writer. Other than his Daredevil, I actually have been. I caught up on his Daredevil. I've been. I've been digging that actually. But his recent Marvel work has been far away from how good I thought he was over when he started at DC. So uh-huh. that's good to hear. This book's good. I'll, I'm, I'm going to check that out. Yeah, it is. So check it out. Uh, three issues yeah. deep right now. Okay. I've only read the first two so far. Issue three. I'll check it out at some point. It's really good. Read it. Nice. It's Birdie. Final book. All right. Well, I'm glad I'm going out on this note because I, but in hindsight, Uh-oh. if I had to go back. <laughs> okay, then. Nico, final book. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Um, I don't have much to say about my last book. Um, I just basically wanted to mention it one more time because this Hello. is sadly one less uh, of the Hello. great. Oh, there he is. There we go. Look, do, do you want to go ahead there, Birdie? Yeah, sorry. sorry. I, yeah. I, I, That's right. I guess I wasn't connected properly. Muted? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, so, I mean, I would not want to go out on the note that if I left on the Angel Catbird note, Deadman would hate me for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So um, let's go out on a book he'll enjoy talking about. Switch. Yeah, yeah. Because the Jeff and Sajic, bitch. The fucking professionally released fan fiction. Yeah, basically. And in this case, the fan fiction's better than the original. Yep, it's based on the artifacts of Top Cow. Yeah, it's just... Okay, so... Witchblade... I read some of the original issues from the 90s when it came out, and the best way I could describe it now is Spawn with tits. Yeah, that tracks. Yeah. And it was just the way things were at the time. Everything looked like that, and some image books still look like that. <laughs> but um, this, if I had to describe it uh, in a way that Dead Man would understand, it's like if you crossed Witchblade with Rat Queens. Dude, I've read it. Yeah, well, I mean, I wasn't sure if you read all of it. I read the first four issues. Okay, yeah, that's what I've read. Which are the only because, issues that have released, even though the trade, which comes out in May, collects issues one to seven. Yeah, because, like, the first issue... The uh, the original Witchblade is so heavy focused on its mythos with the Angelus and the darkness and the Witchblade in between and this great colossal war between a heaven-ish being and a hell-ish being and the chaotic weapon in between... That kind of takes over everything, and it's just about corruption or evil or war, all that. In this, the Witchblade is just, eh, that's just kind of something that's here. Yeah, Witchblade is here. I it's mean, cool. I got this character stuff. Yeah. Because, like, the Angelus is, is stuff is still here. The Darkness Incarnate is still here. Want to see a 16-year-old dork get possessed by a cavewoman? Yeah, that that's the thing I like most about the changes to the mythos. Whereas... The Stajep and Sajic, Stajep and Sajic's big change is that instead of it just being an all-powerful weapon that chooses women to wield it, in this case, all the women who have well wielded it in the past sort of contribute their personalities and their skills to subsequent wielders. So the first person that the new wielder, Mary uh, Parker, establishes contact with is a cave woman. Naturally. Yeah. Which is just funny when she's like just points out stuff like food or uh, rock or jump onto the sides of buildings. And yeah, and, and the rest of them, and and also in the most recent issue is why I made the. And then you've got other personalities which are also fun. One of them, which I think is just basically Maleficent. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, so but it's not like, but it's she, not she like uh, she gets possessed. Like actually, it is. No, but it's, it's like a spe- it's like a spirit of- shows up and she kind of gets like muscle memory. Yeah, muscle memory, and she can talk and converse with them and sort of understand their thoughts. And this is made apparent in the most recent issue where one of the other spirits, Katarina, which this is why I made the Rat Queens comparison, where she says, Yeah, you ever imagine um, the embodiment of every bad decision you could ever possibly make speaking into your ear? Yeah, it was kind of like that. <laughs> because uh, in the middle, at the end of the fourth issue... Um, a dragon shows up looking for the for the prince. And this is what I thought. I thought, like, given uh, the, the Angelus and the Darkness stuff, that the cover of issue four was in reference to a demon. Nope, dragonborn. Naturally. <laughs> yeah. And a green dragonborn, that, so it breathes poison. <laughs> yeah, so, and this random uh, Asian guy that... Um, Mary had been speaking to in her previous issue briefly. Turns out to be a dragonborn prince who is trying to be a, who is 
who's about to be assassinated. And they're both weirded out when they think the other is the target, and they both transform to save the other. And they're like, huh? <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> and, like- and it ends... And the dynamic's just hilarious because the dragon breathes fire and the fireproof dragonborn protects her. And then the dragonborn, the dragon tries to eat the dragonborn, but the witch blade activates and just sticks a spear through the dragon's jaws. <laughs> like you do. Yeah, because at that point, one of the other spirits, other than, usually when the witch blade activates, Mary goes to Una first because she seems to be the one that she has the easiest time talking to. But in this case, Katarina is woken up by Una. Basically, I think what was going on in the back of the Witchblade while this was happening, it was like, Una was like, Katarina, dragon, dragon! <laughs> he was like, really? He's like, fire lizard, Yay! fire lizard! <laughs> like, oh, dope. We just finished my tea and go smack some bitches. <laughs> yeah, so we've met four spirits inhabiting the Witchblade so far. One is the battle crazy spear woman one is the butch cave woman one is maleficent and one is how would you describe uh the african woman it's, I, I just just kept thinking vixen it has been a bit of a time since i've read switch so i don't actually remember her that much about her yeah she was the one who was like actually a hunter not like a battle crazy person or a just an aggressive beast, basically, or an evil sorceress. Which yeah, I I'm remember for that to come back. I remember <laughs> she read like a Sajep and Seja character. Well, yeah, everyone reads like a Sajep and Seja character. Mary Par Mary Parker reads like um uh oh, shit. What was the redhead's name from uh Sunstone? Uh, Liz? No, that's the other one. Liz, yes. Yeah, so she just kind of reads like Liz, just with a baby, with a little brother and a family who keeps grounding her because she's like, "How do how do you keep getting attacked by monsters? I it's don't like, know." It's like Mom. there was a dragon in the middle of the city. You fucking left, and then my your brother was fucking yeah. You are grounded. Don't try to die anymore. God damn it! <laughs> what do you mean a a winged chimera threw a truck at you? <laughs> you turned your phone off, and in this house, that is a no go. I didn't turn it off, Mom. It was destroyed. Same difference. <laughs> and now I have to buy you a new phone. Yeah. And I had forgotten. Uh, I mean, I think uh, the Irons guy, Kenneth Irons, was a character from the original Witchblade comics. I just forgot. I kind of like this version of him better, where he is trying to be the evil, like, artifact businessman, and everything is just going wrong. <laughs> yep. It's like, I can't, I held the artifact, I lost it, I can't find the person wielding the artifact, and whenever I send creatures to try to stop a random little girl who has this artifact, they keep dying. Why does everything suck? Yeah, like, it's, uh, it's something I do really enjoy about this series in that, uh, like, this was written by somebody who knows the artifacts. This was written by somebody who was a fan of those books. Yeah, and but also sees the flaws with the original books and doesn't just ape them. Yeah, and so like and so like what he does is he he brings in like almost all the elements. Like the darkness and the angelus are like both major figures in this world, but it keeps the focus very much on Mary. Yeah, and even and her little collection of friends like 
I, I hope more is done with, I mean, again, I have no idea when the next issue is coming out. Apparently this fourth issue came out a while ago. Um, I hope they do more with the, I hope, bur- uh, burgeoning at least friendship, if not relationship, between the Witchblade wielder and the Dragonborn Prince. I think that would be entertaining. Yeah, and like the Witchblade, we- and like Mary goes to school with the current owner of the darkness. Yeah. Who Which, it was like, I mean, was like that, hanging out, that, like the guy who's like leading the darkness cult is like trying to get him to do stuff, and he's just like this fucking shitty teenager. Yeah, because you know it's the Jeff and Sajic book. Yeah, his name is Tony. Yeah. Oh, and also, I kind of like this version of uh, Pazzini better than the original comic <laughs> because she's, in this case she knows everything and is powerless to do anything about it, but she also is the one who's stuck dealing with it because her boss. Is like cop J. Jonah Jameson. It's like, it's hey, yo, Pazzini, like, you like that weird shit, right? Hey, go ahead down there. There's a fucking dragon in the middle of downtown. And and it's, she was about to make love to her coffee cup. It's like, ugh, I just gotta, just gotta down it then. Yeah, just, I'm gonna fuck this coffee up, right? Hey, Pazzini, dragon! God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> but I wouldn't give for powers that showed my tits. <laughs> yeah. And again, thank you, Jeff and Sajic, for finding a, a... Every version of the fucking Witchblade always does the tits thing. The Jap, the two Japanese versions do. The Western comics do. This one doesn't. Nope. Just fucking weird armor I mean, shit. She, Fuck it. Yeah. She is a child. Just, she can't get naked. Yeah. Well, anime, maybe. She is an American child. She can't get naked. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I mean, also, Nico, have, just, you, just, have you seen the anime Witchblade design? No. For anybody, no, I, for oh. anybody whose first podcast of ours this is, we know his name isn't pronounced to Jepin Sajic. We just like saying it that way. Yes. Yeah, I mean that's I'm, what it looks like. I'm pretty sure his name is. Uh, I'm pretty <laughs> sure his name is actually pronounced Stepan Sage. It's some kind of weird Slavic thing. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. But Stepan Sajic rolls off the tongue worse. And sounds funnier. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, this is the anime's Witchblade design, Nico. Holy tits. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. That's the appropriate response. But, yeah. So I can't use that see. image because I don't want to get even more fucked by Google. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a little even more revealing than the original Witchblade. <laughs> no, a that's about as revealing. It's just her tits are bigger. No, I know, but it's just, it's, I mean, this, this, this pick doesn't do it any justice as you're like looking up under her tits. Yeah, again, that's anime, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. I know you're new to the, I know you're new to the fucking Oh, no, I've medium. seen, I mean, yeah, no, I, I mean, yeah, I've seen stuff. What I mean, you, you haven't seen <laughs> Bullet Time Cleavage. <laughs> no. Uh, no, you have not. <laughs> Nope. We need to show him that. that shit on TV. We need to show him that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I don't have much else to say about this other than I really fucking enjoy a professionally released um, fanfic that is better than the original. Yeah, totally. Um, at least some of it's available for free on his DeviantArt page. Yeah, bits and pieces of it. But I, 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 I like, I like support, supporting this artist writer. Yeah, I'm just so, saying even if you, can, the folks at home are a bit turned off by the idea of paying for fan fiction. True. 
I mean, I I bought all currently available volumes of Sunstone. Does that? I am working this, my way up there. Does this not get released uh, from Top Cow? This certain no, one? no, this is released. Yeah, th- oh, that's it what is. I meant. Oh, like, okay. I'll, like this, Stepan Sejic yeah. releases a lot of his content on his Deviant Art page, but he does get professionally released a lot of times. Oh, yep, wow. yep, he does. Like I said, uh, the first volume of this is going on sale later in May. Uh, he's going to start drawing Aquaman soon. Really? Yeah. Huh. Yep. That was. Ooh. That's going to be weird with his. Ta- like, ha- how is he going to do Mira? Um, <laughs> well, there are images Sexy. of her on his DeviantArt page. Oh. Okay, I'll have to look that up. <laughs> um, I, sorry, what about just Deadwater? I, I do not believe that that is a thing anymore. Oh, they got rid of it. Okay, because that was I thought. I thought most recent Aquaman comics. They're still talking about whatever Deadwater is. T- talk, talking about future solicited books, though, uh, Dead Man. You, you know what I seen the uh, uh, future solicited for on Amazon the other day? Oh, right, that fucking thing. They're coming out with the Luther Strode, all three in a big hardcover. Well, I'm buying that. Yep. Same yeah. here. I got the Run- rest of uh, Huck recently. I have to re- finish reading that. Nice. Oh, so good. But yeah, like uh, so um, if anybody's interested in checking out some of Switch before they put down the money on it, um, nebeziel.deviantart.com. Yeah, that's a good that's a good thing that he puts it up, though, for sure, for you to sample. That's good. Yep. Uh, yeah, uh, there's a PDF available uh, for. Yeah, for the first three issues. What's the other one he does? Death Vigil? Is that that's him too? Right? Uh, yeah, yes, Death Vigil him. is still him. Right. I think that one's done. Okay. Yeah, this man's a fucking spectacular artist. Really fun writer. Mm-hmm. Check out his stuff. It's really good. All right. Release Y'all more mercy, there? motherfucker. Birdie. <laughs> Wait, what? I didn't. I didn't hear that last part. Release more mercy. I... mercy. Mercy is the sequel series to Sunstone. Oh, hmm. right. No, I haven't read Mercy yet. It is about Alan and Anne. They released yeah, four I pages. I haven't read it yet. He released... I'll have to look at that at some point. He released four pages. Last page coming out months ago. <laughs> and there has Alrighty. been no word on why not. I'm assuming it's because he's working on Aquaman. And a yeah. lot of other shit. <laughs> yep, because Aquaman don't come out till June. Huh. But he's gonna That's be doing. It. But he's gonna be doing at least one story arc of that. Yeah, but that double ship. So he's probably been, you know. Okay. Yeah. No. Mira, Mira kind of works. Mira kind of works the way he draws her. Yeah. Yeah. It really does. Yeah. Aquaman nice. too. Very sharp chin. Yeah. A little bit too much of the dude bro hair, but they've kind of gone that direction with him lately. Yeah. Anyway. Switch, it's good. Definitely, keep reading it. I, I, actually, I want more of it, Stephen. <laughs> just, just please more, please. Come on, Stephen. Please. We see this. This is why we say Stephen because every time we say Stephen, yeah. it sounds too stupid. Because yeah. we pronounce it wrong. Sounds like a piece of furniture from IKEA. Yeah, it's like it's like all right. I'm about to Stephen in the fugal fork. <laughs> We need like right. 17 different sizes of Allen keys and a baby. Because <laughs> I think it's a crib. I'm not sure, though. 
Anyway, Nico. All right. So, uh, I, 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 as I often start off by saying, I don't have much to say about this particular <laughs> <laughs> for my final book Nico, here. Nico, a man of few words. Yeah, yeah. Ratings. That I, yeah, ratings. Okay. Um, <laughs> Uh, but I, uh, I wanted to mention this book one last time because I've talked about it before a few times on the show probably. And, uh, and, and, uh, sadly it's now just been wrapped up and it's, uh, one less of the really good actual Marvel books that are going on right now from a publisher where they haven't actually been putting out a lot of stuff I've been loving over the past little while. So one last book that, that they have announced has ended is, is a sad day for me of the books I'm currently reading from them. And that is Spider-Woman by uh, Dennis, Dennis Hopeless and the artist who has been working on it for the last little while. Uh, Veronica Fish, yeah, which currently worked uh, with Mark Wade on Archie. Uh, Veronica Fish, who's been doing a great job. Damn it, that's the only spider book I'd give a shit about anymore. Yeah. Yeah, so it it just uh, concluded with issue 17 uh, this past, I think, probably about a week ago now. Uh. And it's a bittersweet end. It's uh, It was a good end. I thought it's been a great series. Okay, so it doesn't just stop. No, I think it was a fit, right. pretty fitting end. Um, I think I seen it on Dead Man's list, so in a moment maybe he can comment on it as well if he did end up reading it. Um, I guess you had read some as well, Birdie, and talked about yeah, how much you no, liked I, it. I, like, I'm, yeah, I'm getting caught behind? up on that book. I'm a few issues behind. I've okay. been reading the trades as they've come out. I've right. read the first two or three. I'm about mm-hmm. up to where the Hobgoblin comes into it, right. which is a few issues back. right. So, so basically, that is the basic last final arc is with the hobgoblin. Uh, sorry about the hobgoblin uh, and Roger. The hobgoblin. Uh, the hobgoblin. Yeah, and Hob-goblin. Roger. Uh, did you end up catching up with Spider Woman, uh, Dead Man? Uh, I read the. I read. I think the most recent issue. It was the one with uh, the roof yeah, party. Right, which is the last issue of the bookend of the series, that shit. I would just say, yeah. Yeah, um, I was about to say, wasn't that in the first issue when you know? Uh, she hawks building, uh, I think it was right. Uh, no, no, it was they were announcing no, that the, they were announcing that fucking uh, she was pregnant. Yeah, and uh, Tony walked up to her and asked who the father was. Right, so Venom Captain blast. Marvel tricked him into it, and yep. she Venom blasted him in the face. Yeah. So in that sense, I did think it was a fitting ending. So the last story arc was that Hobgoblin story with Roger, oh, man. Uh, and then and then um, there was a kind of and then you know. Not to spoil it, if you don't mind, there, Birdie. Uh, but uh, Jess and and uh, Roger do end up uh, being together by the end of this book. Which is great. Okay. Uh, Which is great. Uh, Fuck it. Yeah. I like that. All right, Roger's no, cool. No, I, I, yeah. No, I kind of, I kind of buy that. I mean, uh, I, yeah. I, it, I mean, I, if you were, she was not end up with anyone at this point, given she's tired of fucking the dangerous sexy men of the universe because mm. that's what got her life fucked up in the first place. So I would think right. so she's going to fuck the nice safe guy in, in life. Ben Yurik. Yeah. yeah no, no, Ben Yurik <laughs> has also been a goblin in the past. And she's, <laughs> I think she's trying yeah. to avoid goblin blood. She doesn't want to end up like in a, in a bad Spider-Man book. Yeah. Fuck right. the goblins. I'm going to the spiny shit. <laughs> uh no but it was great uh, i loved roger and i loved no, him by the yeah, end of this, this book and this book is the only reason i know who porcupine is right <laughs> yeah, yeah totally <laughs> um 
And that's basically what this last issue was. It was a wrap-up of her throwing a party and inviting all of her yeah. superhero friends over for, like, a big oh, roof God party. damn it. And no, but it was, and and then ah. you know they they were judging her. They were judging her because she's dating the porcupine. This was their first time. Specifically, Black Widow was judging her. Oh yes, yeah, <laughs> no, that that's hilarious. And, yeah, Black Widow just then, being fucking super mean girl bitch. And then you know Rogers just a kind of really chill dude. Like he's basically yeah. like a like a happy hippie I mean, I'm, type I'm character. Only because, <laughs> I'm only mad because Jessica let. Kept, kept Carol back into her life. After yes, the yes, that was yeah. terrible. That was fucking awful. You don't There's, fucking do yeah. that. Carol has been so fucking poisoned at this point. But I would say that Carol, the best, uh, uh, the best Carol appearance is has been in this book. Like this, is she. I even liked her in this issue, yeah. despite all that. Well, that's the thing. They are trying to pretend that the shit yeah. in Civil War Two didn't happen with Carol at this point, and it's just getting infuriating. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like because it still affects it her books. No, I know, and 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 they do try to. I mean, they dealt with that in the in the tie-in issues in Civil War. I think quite well in this no, book. No, they didn't. But. <laughs> No, I thought in Spider Woman, in Spi- the no, actual in, in Spider Woman, yeah, in Spider Woman, the tie-in books did an all right job. Of Jessica calling out Carol about the yeah. horrible shit she was doing. It's just oh, to that th- you mean, it's okay. just to then yeah. have it come back and go. Not nah, Carol and I are cool now. Just fuck that. Yeah, no, that's what I mean. That's I meant like the t- the actual Spider Man issues. I thought did it the only good job of their actual relationship and why she would be pissed at her and why she stopped talking to her. Yeah, like, but I'm I just thought, saying in the ne- in the span of the next cut, almost they're friends again. True. Yeah, and and even in this issue, they are. No, understandably, yeah. they shouldn't be friends at this point. You're right, but I do like how they written their uh, Dennis Hopeless has written their relationship in this title specifically. So. No, no, again, I I yeah. talked about this with Dead Man when you weren't here. That that first volume where she where Jessica was in the final phases of her pregnancy and Carol yep. discovered that she had sent her best friend to a prison, a hospital in the middle of yes. a black hole as it was being taken over by scrolls. Yeah. And she just drops, she drops into the atmosphere at warp scene going, shit, 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 yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. But then yeah. Civil War happened. No, I know. If fucking this book came out after Civil War and we still got that Carol, this book would fucking be infuriating. Yeah. Yeah, so that's why I'm glad they kind of worked their way around it to the point where, like, she still was able to show up in this last issue and kind of put a bow on everything uh, almost. And it, uh, it, I, no, it's, it's just fucking terrible. This is how this is the end of it. Because I want so much more with I, these guys. I want to see this happen. Uh, and I actually, know. speaking of that shit, that means... Um, the only ways we're going to get Jessica Drew anymore is either in the Spider Gwen book or the Captain Marvel book. Fuck, fuck the Captain Marvel book. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and if she, and if she yeah. shows up in the fucking Spider Gwen book, Silk's going to be there. <laughs> and basically, all our superhero Ugh. friends are are judging her in this book. And by the end of it, though, they all love Roger just as much as she does because Roger has a great moment where uh, the her uh, daughter or uh, goes. Sorry, her sir. Sorry, her son Jerry. goes like has a little like Jack Jack moment like from the Incredibles where all of his <laughs> power, all of his powers start manifesting at the same time, and uh, Roger has to basically chase the baby to the point where he jumps off a roof to catch him, and then oh, Spider Man right. basically uh, Jessica has basic flying powers. <laughs> nope, nope. Roger jumps off of her. Roger, Roger off the roof, grabs him, and then Spider Man webs him. Yeah. He's no, like, I meant uh, that her her son having like full- yeah. Oh no, it's not fly powers. He's doing it uh, because he is like just climbing on walls, jumping out windows and shit. And like zapping yeah. people. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, like like when uh, he, like when Roger first goes in, he's like, "All right, Jerry, time to clear your." Oh god! And you just see like fucking venom blast all over him, blast Roger out the door, so he puts on his fucking porcupine mm-hmm. gloves. Yeah, she did get that from her mom. The whole venom blast he, type thing. He, yeah. It's a boy. Sorry, <laughs> I don't know. Why I keep saying that. I know that she had a son. <laughs> I am aware. I'm aware. Yeah, and then he's, he's spending all this time fucking like just crawling around the side of buildings trying to grab the baby, just keep the baby from killing itself. It's like, hey, don't worry, baby's fine. I got it. It's cool. It's cool. But then, uh, but then, as he makes his way back up to the roof, all the all the superheroes are looking at them. They're like, oh, they're like, oh, now we understand why you like this guy. Like he's perfect. You mean fit you for want you. someone sensible and responsible? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> we, oh, I had a yeah. hard time understanding that. You know, me being the fucking Black Widow and all. Yeah, even Hawkeye's like, oh, that's adorable. Yeah, and, then, <laughs> and then fucking she, Roger, and Jerry go downstairs with Ben, just kind of hang yep. out in her apartment watching TV while everybody else parties on the roof. Yeah, and there, and she's like, are you just going to leave everybody up there? She's like, yep, I got everything I need right here in this room. And then the comic yeah. ended, and I cried. And then, <laughs> and then I flew to fucking like, Marvel headquarters and beat the shit out of editorial. Uh, so yeah, it's bittersweet. Like I said, I, I think it's been a great run. Uh, as you can tell, we've all loved th- this book. Um, and you should definitely check it out if you haven't, because don't sleep yeah, on the it. The only problem with it is that too much of the la- of this, because this had like two runs. And too much of the second one was tied up in crossover books. That's my only real problem. That, with this that is that is actually what stopped me from reading this book initially. Because if you recall, yeah, no. it started during Spider Verse. Start, you know, it started during Spider Verse, and that got good on its own. Then they ended the universe, kind of right, and then and then it relaunched. The first five issues of the second run were amazing, and right. then the Spider Women thing happened, and then Civil War Two happened, and it's yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I still think there's remember, a lot of good though. I remember there's, before the second run of this came out, when Secret Wars was happening. I think me and you, Birdie, were both like when we heard the when we heard the premise of this and saw like fucking her pregnant. We were just like, ah, fuck, this book's gonna suck now. Yeah, no, that I think that was everyone's response to that because the because yeah. the promotional image was just her being super prego with yeah. with porcupine and Ben Yurik, and you're like, oh god, this is gonna be like a fucking bad sitcom. And then and then turned out to be like a good get sitcom. To the, end of the first issue, like, oh. <laughs> No, it was delightful, and and yeah. and not to mention like the first arc before yeah. they relaunched it with her being pregnant was also drawn by Greg Land, and it was a Spider first tie in. Uh, so uh, I, I, so the I actually good thing about that is she punched Silk in the face. Yes. Yeah, that's true. That did happen. That did happen. So fuck that Mary so Sue you, bitch. So yeah, so even if you had to read the in betweens of those uh, little a few issues that they had for events, I still think it's worth your time checking out if you haven't at this point. Absolutely, this was this was a great little run, and I, I think from this point on, I'll definitely. This isn't my first thing I've ever read by Dennis Hopeless, but it's probably my favorite thing that he's written that I've read so far. Yeah, well, this I mean, is the thing that got that me much back into Dennis Hopeless. I've- yeah, I need to start reading more Dennis Hopeless because aside from this, the only other thing I've read from him is the answer. And if you thought Angel Catbird was weird, <laughs> right? That thing- he is going to be the new writer on Doctor Strange after Jason Aaron leaves. So I'm interested to see how Aww. that works out. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean that's I'm, kind I'm of sad a, yeah, about but that. That's but... also a, anytime Jason Aaron leaves a book, I'm like, Aww. yes, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The Same. thing that introduced me to Dennis Hopeless was uh, Avengers Arena. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, fuck Dennis Hopeless. And then I read Gearhead. Then I read this. And I was like, okay, Dennis Hopeless, you're all right. Yeah. So yeah. maybe, I mean, that's happened because, like, I remember how much I hate uh, Brendan Fletcher because of Neo Batgirl. And then I started reading um, Power Rangers Pink. 
and that mm. was really good, aside from tying in the Zeo letter. <laughs> yeah, that, that was really weird. The stuff that I read from him, I haven't read much, but the starting stuff of uh, Gotham Academy wasn't too bad either. He also co-wrote that, I believe, Brenda Fletcher. I yeah. thought that stuff was all right, but that it wasn't got more fun. That got more fun the weirder it got. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Spider Woman. Uh, yeah, sad to see it go. Uh, one less actual good book from Marvel that they're publishing at this point. Yeah. But, but I would, I, think I, would, it ended I would make well. I would make a joke about I hate to see her go, but I love to watch her leave. But I have more respect for Jessica than that. So <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, so there you have it. All right then, that does probably reading. Then on to news. So Marvel. Apparently pulling their heads out of their asses and looking at their sales numbers have determined that maybe it's not diversity that people don't want. It's the endless fucking deluge of events. (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry. Hold on a second, dead man. (laughs) I know, right? It's bizarre. Because Marvel has just announced that after Secret Empire, there will not be any big crossover events for at least 18 months. Oh, thank Christ. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I, and this, I was actually thinking about this today, Deadman. Um, my big metaphor for the way Marvel's been running itself the last few years is, you know, you shuffle the deck, and then with that shuffled deck, you play the cards, and that's how it's usually supposed to work when you play a game of cards. Marvel just keeps shuffling the deck. Like, they never play yeah. a game of cards. They just keep shuffling the deck. And everyone's like, well, what are we supposed to do? Shut up. I'm going to keep shuffling. Yeah, they've, they've been so, pile <laughs> shuffling for three years now. I, I think the point to their, like, demise almost right now is is because they're just like, we're Marvel. Like, we can do whatever the fuck we want. We're yeah, Marvel. It's, like, it's they like, the movies are making us so much money. We can put yeah. out horseshit comics for years and not even fucking go right. into the red. But, like, I mean, I can't say that because it's, it's too random. Because well, because it, it's not like New New Fifty Two at its worst, where there were one or two good books and everything else was shit. This is like it's some books are great, some are mediocre, and some are absolutely shit. And some and a lot true a lot, right now, a lot of the good ones are ending or getting canceled or getting new creative teams. But I I still think this Marvel downfall at this point is still not as bad as DC was at its worst. No, they can still write the shit, but they're definitely, this is the worst that they've been yeah. in a long time, like, yeah. in my opinion. And yeah, I'm a Marvel since, guy. So, since like, the I, 90s, I think, actually. So back to the story. Since, sorry. No, it's okay. Uh, so during Marvel's retail summit, um, event fatigue and the topic and the topic of like timing of events came up with one retailer saying, quote, when they're more than once overlapping over a very short period of time, the audience itself cannot necessarily tune in. They'll be able to pick up one or two, and then they just check out the other ones just because it's more promotional marketing noise. They can't figure out what to read. In response... Mm. Yeah, doy. <laughs> yeah. In response, David Gabriel, Senior Vice President of Sales and Marketing, said, quote, Hopefully you guys will be happy to know that at the end of Secret Empire, we do not have any big crossover events scheduled. We haven't even talked about one for 18 months at the very least. Those will be away for quite a while. Hmm. Is your girlfriend there, Nico? Uh, yeah, that was her sneezing in the background. <laughs> <You're tight>. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Axel Alonso also came out and said something about this, saying, quote, Speaking of event fatigue, though, that's a thing that fatigues us. I totally hear you about the shipping, and that's a thing. 
Secret Empire won't ship late, and it won't because it's gotten multiple artists. That template works. When we run into trouble, well, where we run into trouble is in big events where we've had one writer, one artist, and we schedule it too tight and or the writer decided to add another issue at the 11th hour. Again, these things happen. I couldn't finish, and then everyone pays for it. The story gets wow. done. The story gets done right, but but at no small repercussion to the larger plan. We're sorry, and we feel your pain because we felt it on our end before you guys felt it. Wow, I don't believe that comment. I didn't even hear about that one. He's just using them as a scapegoat for their fucking decisions. Wow. Yeah, it's like yeah, we thought like we thought they could yeah. do it, but the artists are just <laughs> too shitty, or the writer decides, hey, let's add another issue. Fuck it. Yeah. Yeah, I, oh my god. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's on the level of, like, David Goyer hating fans, or Dan DiDio just being like, I'm good at business! I know what I'm doing! <laughs> nah. Oh, Things are happy. Everyone's happy. Hey, everybody likes that Twilight thing. Let's make it go with Superman and Wonder Woman. Yeah. That's a great idea, right? <laughs> Fuck that's it. That's too normal and weird. And then Jim Lee's just in the back, just crying. (laughs) (laughs) And and Jeff and Jeff John is like, I want to do something, but I gotta get paid. No. Anywho. And then Jeff looks to Grant to say, Grant, save us, and then Grant floats away. Yeah, just the fucking the fucking third eye opens in the middle of his forehead, and then it shits out another fucking volume of multiversity, just fully formed. <laughs> like the people, the people who draw Grant Morrison books, they don't really draw them. Grant just fucking Grant just like produces them in their style, and they slap their names on it. <laughs> Anywho, moving on to our next piece of news. Oh man, the Hollywood Reporter is reporting that in the upcoming Deadpool sequel, Deadpool 2, Josh Brolin has been cast as Cable. Yeah, I've seen that. Okay. Whatever. That's we- I'm, It's I'm just weird to me. Yeah, I mean, considering they got the guy who looks like Cable and he said he would probably like to play Cable and then they get Josh Brolin, that sounds like Fox fucking with the one thing they have that still works. Yeah, it sounds like Fox is like deliberately trying to say something to Marvel, like Marvel proper. I I just hope they don't get too caught up in all of this and and no, and, here's the thing. and, and I, ru- I ruin Fox, a good. I, I know thing. this is a Fox movie, but the first Deadpool proved Fox needs to fuck off from its own movies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. because yeah. otherwise we get Fant Force Tech. <laughs> Yeah, yep. I, don't, I don't want them to ruin the good thing here with too many cameos now that the first issue the movie was such a success, right? And uh, hopefully they they deal with all this right. Well, the like plan these- for the plan for Cable has the plan for Deadpool two has always been Cable. Yeah, no, no I know, case, I know, just, but now they got Domino in it. Fox I mean, interfering in the way Fox does, right? Let them make the movie they want to make. It worked the first time. Yeah. Moving on to our next piece of news. Greg Rucka announced via his Tumblr, because of course he did, that with the 25th issue of Wonder Woman, he'll be leaving the book. Eh, it's been okay. Yep, and he's doing this because of the shipping schedule. (laughs) 
Okay. I mean, he knew it was going to double ship when he signed up for the book. I don't understand. <laughs> he, <laughs> read, <laughs> he wrote in his in his uh, statement, quote, Wonder Woman 25 will be my last issue on the title, at least for the time being. Before we get to rampant speculation, this is my decision. I just can't maintain the pace on the title while also fulfilling my commitments to my other collaborators. It is genuinely as simple as that. Right at Anna again. Considering has- how many... Sorry, he finished. Ren and Anne again has been an amazing experience on the level of a dream come true. All any of us who've worked on the book this last year have wanted to us is to serve her well, to illuminate what we obvious what we so absolutely believe makes Wonder Woman such a remarkable and unique and timeless character, and she's awesome and important and wants like a dick. To have had the opportunity is something that that I doubted I would ever get again. Most of us don't get a single bite at the apple, let alone two, you know. To get that opportunity at a time when Diana is rising to such long overdue prominence makes that apple all the sweeter. That she's turned 75 during the course of our run is, to ruin the analogy, icing on the cake. We started Rebirth with a specific, though fairly broad, mandate from DC. Bring her back to the core was what Jeff Johns told me. How we did it was up to us. Our success in doing so is measured, of course, by you. Wonder Woman 23 sees the end of our primary storyline, The Slies Slash The Truth. And Wonder Woman 24 serves as something of an epilogue to that tale. Wonder Woman 25 will, I hope, set a table for who is to follow and provide them as much room to work and explore and grow. Diana's future is right. That's what I'm saying. Comics don't get made in a vacuum. <laughs> Pretty much. From what I've read of his older Wonder Woman run, I've actually enjoyed that a lot better than his current Wonder Woman run. And I then th- I also, I at the end of this article, I yeah. noticed a link to another article that says, BVS Doomsday almost actually looked like Doomsday. <laughs> they, they released concept art that looked like Doomsday. Like, really shitty, because Doomsday always looks shitty. Yeah. But not a cave troll. Exactly. Yeah. And not- and not what does the Lex say? <laughs> ring ding 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 ding. <laughs> That's a dead meme. I will never. It will never be dead to me as long as I have to see scenes from that movie in my head. What movie? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> what? Oh, I didn't know you actually managed to fully block that movie out of your head, Dead Man. What movie? Kind of amazing. <laughs> no, I'm genuinely asking you, what movie? I heard yes. you talk to fish. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, just you, did, you know, you did the fucking fox say thing, and then went to Batman v Superman. Ding, I did ding, not ding, have ding, that ding. connection. It's like it's coming. Ding 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 ding. I blocked ding. that part out of my head. <laughs> Thanks for bringing that back, though, you fucking jackass. You're welcome, Cap Catula. <laughs> the final story is about Muslims. Uh, so Marvel has quote I'm unquote out. terminated. No. Yeah, so Marvel has uh, basically fired um, Ardian Saif. Pen- oh, yes. Yeah, a penciler yeah. who was working on X-Men Gold. The first yeah. issue was released. And it's revealed that he snuck in some things about a guy who was recently arrested for blasphemy. 
So, um, Saif, sorry if I'm getting the name wrong, um, in panels in that first issue of X-Men Gold, uh, put in the numbers 212 and 551. Uh, those are reference uh, to a current controversy surrounding a man named uh, Baski Tajahaja um, Pernama. Sorry if I pronounced that name wrong. I know I am. It's terrible. I don't know how to pronounce it. Uh, he was, I believe it's a he. But yeah, uh, I'm just going to, actually, let me just double check this to make sure I am not being a fucking dumbass. Yes, it is a he. So he is the first Christian and ethnic Chinese governor of Jakarta. Oh. Last yeah, se- no, that's that, that, that's going to be a problem. <laughs> Last September, he publicly stated that his opponents are lying when they say the Quran tells Muslims not to choose non-Muslims as their leaders. Since making that comment, he has been charged with blasphemy by the Indonesian government and could face up to five years in jail. Uh, 212 is a reference to December 2nd, uh, which is the day of massive anti-Pernama protests. And 551 is a direct reference to the Quran verse about which Pernama allegedly misspoke. Uh, he also has since apologized for that. Um, Marvel's statement saying, quote, Marvel has terminated Ardian uh, Saif's contract effective immediately. X-Men Gold number two and three featuring his work have already been sent to the printer and will continue to ship bi-weekly. Issues five, six, and seven will be drawn by R.B. Silva and seven, eight, and nine will be drawn by Ken Ashley. A permanent replacement artist will be assigned to X-Men Gold in the coming weeks. Uh, They also released an initial statement upon learning about the inclusion of those numbers saying, quote, the mentioned artwork in X-Men Gold number one was inserted without knowledge behind its reported meanings. These implied references do not reflect the views of the writer, editors, or anyone else at Marvel and are in direct opposition to the inclusiveness of Marvel Comics and what the X-Men have stood for since their creation. This artwork will be removed from subsequent printings and digital versions and trade paperbacks, and disciplinary action is being taken. Uh, Saif has since released a statement on his own Facebook page, saying, quote, Hello, worlds. My career is now over. It's the consequences of what I did, and I take it. Please, no more mockery, debate, no more hate. I hope all in peace. In huh. this in this last chance, I want to tell you the true meaning behind the numbers 215 and QS515. It is the number, it is number of justice. It is number of love, my holy love, my love to holy Quran, my love to the last prophet, the messenger, my love to Allah, the one God. My apologies for all the noise. Goodbye. May God bless you all. I love all of you. Ardy and Saif. Uh, so that's a bit of a wow. thing. Just to end his career like that. Wow. Yeah. Uh, people have also begun asking Gail Simone her opinion on this because uh, Saif worked on Batgirl. Oh, okay. She released a giant fucking statement over on her, on, over on her Facebook page. I will not be reading hmm. that because... We don't have two hours. What was the gist of it, though? Uh, I have Did not gotten a full chance. Oh, you didn't read it. Oh, okay. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, well. Yeah, I know. He tried to sneak that shit in, right? Like, that's... No, he uh, did sneak that shit in. No, that's what I mean. I know and he did. I just... Out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's So, that's uh, I don't really... I don't fully understand the situation going on with uh, Pernama. Sounds kind of shitty. Yeah. And I 
I'm not going to say too much on this because I yeah. <laughs> don't want to put my foot in my mouth any more than I probably already have by saying, hey, the story's about Muslims. Yeah. Yeah, that was a weird way to phrase that, man. <laughs> yes, it was. And I am sorry for that. I realized the second after I said it, I was like, oh, I'm an idiot. Yeah. Man, and you hate diversity. <laughs> How dare you? (laughs) (laughs) I haven't been offended since like this, since uh, Bertie talked about his book earlier. (laughs) Uh, But anyways, (laughs) thank y'all for joining us. Yeah. (laughs) Good, Good call. Be sure to join us in two weeks' time for another episode of the DestoProds.com Muslim Podcast. Oh, man. <laughs> Fuck it, go full in at this point. Uh, Haji's uh, a snake charmer. Yeah, this is this is a bad episode. <laughs> I mean, it's good. Oh, God. Till then, I'm dead. I'm Count Catchula Birdie. I'm Nico. <laughs> we'll see you guys next time. Let's leave before Nico dies. <laughs> <laughs>